This is Caleb from the RPG Academy, and you are listening to the Dungeon Master's Block. Welcome back to the block party that is the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we've got a great episode lined up for you today. We are going to be talking about all things leveling up. And we have a special guest. If you remember Michael from the RPG Academy, well, his co-host, Caleb from the RPG Academy, is joining us today to talk about leveling up and everything that goes along with that as we are concerned as the DM. So we're really excited about that. We've got a great episode with Caleb. He's a great guy, and he's got a lot of wisdom to share with us. But before we jump into the episode, we, of course, have some iTunes shout-outs. So the first one is from Beardy Drew. Beardy Drew is from the UK, and it's entitled Awesome Sauce with a Side of Awesome Balls. And it says, (laughs) as a DM, just getting back into the game, this has been the best resource to date. Every single episode has been entertaining and inspiring, sending my creative juices into overdrive. The guys make every episode fun and informative. Just one request, guys. I need more stories of the Riders of Shemesh. All hail the Rider in the White Mask. (laughs) That's you, Chris. Yep. Yeah, thank you for that review, Beardy Drew. Our second one comes from such a vast well of inspiration. And this is by Thick McRunfast. <laughs> this podcast is a treasure trove of ideas for any DM, GM, or any other M out there. <laughs> These podcasters are masters of their craft, and they capture the true spirit of DMing. This isn't a podcast that tells you that what you're doing is wrong or gives you a blueprint that you must follow for success. Rather, it instill, instills the feeling of versatility and flexibility that drives a successful campaign. The ideas that Chris and Mitch pitch are amazing, and I truly have nothing bad to say about the show. I've learned a lot, and I've been inspired in a great way for my own campaign, and I look forward to these guys being around for a long time. Now, this is a podcast created specifically for DMs, but the content is very useful for anyone involved in D&D, even players. There are so many ideas to help build characters that are more complex, interesting, and deep. Don't miss this podcast. Thank you so much, Thick McRunfast. Man, that that's a great, long but great review. I wonder, is there like a max cap on like the amount that you can write? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm waiting for that one guy that goes, I'm going to write five pages write and see if they pages. read it. <laughs> oh my god! All right, but we've got another one for you Please because you guys that. have been awesome and been giving us so many reviews. If we don't do at least three an episode at this point, we'll never catch we're up. going to fall behind. So the next review is another five star entitled Great Podcast by D&D Doug. <laughs> and it says, I just recently found your podcast and love it. I have been playing D&D since 1978, and you guys have given me new ideas with every podcast. I'm currently running 5th edition campaign for my group. Episode 10 about flaws is my favorite so far. I enjoyed hearing about your PCs with them. Keep up the good work, and thank you guys. No problem. Welcome. You are very welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much, D&D Doug, Thick Mick Runfast, and Beardy Drew from the UK. We appreciate all that. Well, without any further ado, let's head into story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns. Our favorite moments where we learned about ourselves and what we learned about each other. 
Please join us now as we enjoy Storytime. Okay, so last time we got together and talked about uh, my campaign, we had, uh, you guys had just fought on the back of a dragon dragon turtle. turtle. You jousted on the dragon turtle, fought a black dragon, killed the black dragon, got back on the ship and realized that the ship was stolen. And that's where we picked up. And so, Mitch, what did you guys end up having to do this week uh, to rectify the wrong of the ship being (laughs) stolen? So last time in the story time, basically we ended going back and we had Dwalim, the dwarf, who had taken this ship, who had quote-unquote stolen, I guess, this mm-hmm. ship. And we're, we're like, oh, what are we going to do? And so <laughs> we, we ended with, with this when we get Yeah, back. we ended with my character saying, I've got a plan. And that's where we ended story time last time. Well, my plan, my original plan was to get back, cast invisibility on both of us, and just tell him to hold my hand because he's a little weird. <laughs> he's a and little kooky. Yeah. Follow me <laughs> and don't say anything and get off the ship. We got closer, and I realized I can't dock this ship by myself. And Dwellum, yeah, it was too big of a ship. You needed at least like six people. Yeah, to, and Dwellum to do is everything. not going along. He's like, no, it's my ship. I don't need to do. He's a senile and old. So captain. I had to knock yeah. him out with my sword. I threw anchor over near the dock. I turned invisible. I gave him to Jeff the Dragon Turtle and all of the other all the other PCs, and said, "All right, well, I'll meet you." At the Salty Dog Pub. Yeah. Uh, so I pulled it in all by myself. I threw the anchor over, turned it visible, and let them pick up their own ship. Well, we we go back to the Salty Dog. All of us meet there. And Dwellum gets picked up by Gimdor, the leader He's of the, the... head of the Black Moon Marauders. Yep, yeah. Who owned the ship that we've we've met him before. He was the guy that yeah, you remember the story the guys, time yeah. uh, fighting the octopus. He's the guy we hired. And he just starts telling Dwalm, I'm going to kill you. You stole my boat. And Dwalm's like, I wanted to bet, like, fair and square. It's my boat. Like, And he's like, I, was, I wasn't I was serious about that. And It was a uh, joke. You should yeah, know a joke when you hear it. They start yeah. fighting, and I'm like, what is this? Uh, we're kind of like of the mindset at this point. We're like, you know, he stole a ship. He deserves what he got. Like, he's going to get beat up. We're if We can't stick up for this nut job because if we do, yeah, we could get him off. But then... He's just going to go do this again. But then I heard the thing about the bet, and I was like, what is this? And so I stopped the fight, and I was like, I pulled him aside. And I was like, what's this bet? And well, he, he, threw, he, he took him outside and threw him in the water first. Yeah, he yeah, threw him into the, into the so slip. So I went yeah. and I helped him up. I was like, he, all right. He like went over, and he's just kind of like laying there yeah. in the water. He's like, well, I'm here. <laughs> I helped him up, and I asked him, what's the deal with this bet? And he told me a story about how he won a bet. And it seemed to me like he won fair and square. Yeah, he was he was bet by Gimdur that he couldn't drink six of the finest ales and stay standing at yeah. the end of them. Well, he did it. He says he stood up and then like said, "See, I can hold my liquor" or something like that, and then poof, fell over yeah. like so passed we, out. So I, because this guy's a little nuts, we said, "Has anybody seen you do this?" And we checked with the bartender. We checked with the waitress, and both of them backed up his story. And so I started getting in my mind, hey, we got to help this guy win win the ship back. He's he's the rightful owner. Like, we're all sitting here, and we're all like, I kind of feel like he deserves his ship. Yeah. Like, we need to help him out. This is like, and we've we've seen these guys, apparently the locals, they're, they're not bad guys, but they're kind of pompous yeah. and, like, take advantage of their, the fact that they're a big mercenary guild. And so basically Ernie, who Caleb plays, tried to diplomatize with this guy and be like, listen, you owe him the ship. 
didn't work. This guy yeah, was being a jerk. Karab, the wizard barbarian, could only take so much and started yelling, you're a man with no honor, yeah. and like started like <laughs> accusing him. So it kind of started like an argument. I said to him, all right, if you're a man with honor and you'll hold up your bet because I'm throwing his honor under the bus and like they're, the bar is full and people are like starting to be like. Listen. They're starting to take notice. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, then double or nothing. Yeah. I'll bet you that I can empty. And he had six dwarven buddies with him. I said, I can empty more kegs in one minute than you and your six men can. And he hears, I can, like, we can empty more kegs than he can. He's thinking, like, typical drinking contest. Yeah, yeah like, well, of and, course, that, and, course I, and that's what all of you guys were thinking at the yeah. table. I was very careful about my words and trying not to give away what I was saying. Yeah. And I wrote, I said, I wrote it down. I had witnesses sign it. This was the bet. So I said, all right, we'll meet here tomorrow night. If we win, you have to give us two of your finest ships. And any ale that we paid for, you have to pay for it. If you win... You get Bumble Bottom, Bed and Brewery, and any ale you pay for, we pay for. <laughs> so that was our bet. Meanwhile, you did this, and like Dale's with you, and he's like, "They're all like, what are you doing?" Well, Jeff was pissed. He, Jeff, the, the rest Dragon of the Turtle players, was pissed. Players too. Yeah. They're like, "What are you doing, Mitch?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just uh, like, "Ask Rob." I'm like, "I've got this." And they're like, "Oh, he's he's going off into his barbarian rage." Yeah, again. right. And I'm like, "No, this is wizard. He's overconfident. Over, he's overconfident in his drinking ability." And so I was very careful about the words I used, and I was like, "This guy shystered this guy out of." boat it's time for him to get shystered so i said tomorrow night you've got some ale in your bellies already we'll make this fair tomorrow night we'll meet back here and i will empty more kegs than you and your six men can empty in one minute and so we decided to meet for next tomorrow night during that night i hired three carriages i bought 2400 gold pieces worth of alcohol <laughs> like yeah, you some fine alcohol crap ton of filled alcohol. these carriages with it and just like you, said, I mean, meet, you got like nice ale yeah. here, and that was my plan at the time of the bet. So the next morning, like I go back to the Bumble Bottoms Bed and Brewery, uh, the place that we own. Everybody's reaming me out. They're like, "You just lost our, we our just tavern. got this, we place just back. got this. It's just been making us money. What's your problem?" Even Dale and Jeff are like, "What the heck is your problem?" Dale was more like, like Trust me, you know, man. it's it's your possessions yeah, like you can do what you want but he's I'm like, like don't worry man i yeah. got this and so we went back the next day and i said all right you guys go first i saw there was a lot of people here first anyway yeah uh and so i sent martin to say hey go get eight more carriages bring them here because we're leaving at some point martin without question your brother brother casey yep. who played he had like martin, 45 minutes goes off the drinking some, contest started, as soon as yeah. he gets back i'm like let's get this show on the road i told him i'll be polite you go first, and like we shook hands, and I'm like, "May the best man win, dwarf." <laughs> and, he, and I think you guys had like this. He like, said, "May the best dwarf win, man." Yeah, <laughs> like, he, it was like you had like this MMA like stare down before yeah, the fight. I'm, like, I'm looking to embarrass this oh, guy yeah, yeah. big time because he was a jerk to some crazy old coot. So this guy needs to go down, and that's the biggest reward here for me. And so the seven of them they drank three kegs in one minute. Like, that's a pretty crazy feat. Three kegs, one minute, like only one minute. They like just whiff it down and they look at me and they're like, go ahead, your turn. Yeah. And I say, all right, everybody out to the carriages. I'm going to empty these barrels underneath the stars. And they're like, what? You can't do that? And I pull out the sheet, like the parchment. And I'm like, where on this parchment of this bet does it say where I have to empty my kegs? 
and they're like okay and so like we left we went out to a field i had the whole crowd gather around and i set all these kegs there's like over a hundred kegs here in big piles dropped them from the carriages moved the carriages away and i i stand up i pull out the sheet i say witnesses come forth the witnesses come forth and i said bear witness right now the bet says that i must empty more barrels of ale then these dwarf characters have to empty. And they're like, yeah, that's what the bet was. You have to empty out more. And so I'm like, good. Go stand with the crowd. Get away from me. <laughs> hey, you got, like, they, moving they're all like, the people okay, backwards. they move yeah. back. And I'm just like, fireball, fireball, fireball. Because <laughs> you have three different piles of the kegs like, standing the, around. Yeah, yeah. These, <laughs> these things explode. And I just turn around and I say, barrels empty. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's just quiet and then there's like a little bit of chuckling and Gimdor the dwarf is just like, that's not fair. Yeah. That's not he's fair. He's like, he's pissed. Yeah. yeah he's so uh, mad. We get in a fight. I'm yelling to the crowd, like trying to egg him on. I'm like, did it not say, did the bet that you signed the paper not say empty out kegs of ale? I emptied out much more kegs of ale yeah. than you did. And part of me was like i i didn't have to get this many kegs but i wanted this guy to be embarrassed right. i wanted him to have to pay right now he has to pay 2400 gold pieces for this ale yeah beyond uh-huh. losing two ships uh if he comes through and so he's yelling it's not fair everybody else in the crowd is starting to laugh and realize this guy just got tricked so i go up nice and close trying to egg him on more and i'm just like get right in his face and i just say you shyster dwell him now you just got shyster. Yeah. And he yeah. punches me right in the face. This is when er- Ernie steps in because I. this is the point where I ask you as the DM, I'm like, what are the laws of the land? If he draws a sword and I kill him, what happens? Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to try and murder Basically, somebody and like, like, get in trouble. Nothing would happen, but yeah. you would still, like, you'd probably have to go through the legal system. Yeah. And I'm like, point. like my yeah. guy's a good guy. He's not going to just senselessly kill, but if this guy tries to kill me, I'm going to defend myself. And so I was like, I, I need to know well, what the laws of the land like, are. I'm you're not in more stupid. of, like, a cocky mode anyways yeah. at this point. So it's like, you're not going to kill the guy because you know you're just I'm not really getting I'm like, angry as a barbarian yeah. because I'm having the time of my life. I just embarrassed him. And so he finally, like, Ernie jumps in and everybody's kind of like, you got to pay. You got to pay. Like, you Whalen's made the like, bet. You owe me two ships. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he owes you one ship. <laughs> like, I get the other ship. Yeah, right. This guy walks off in a huff. But we get the acceptance from him. We're going to get these two ships. And so later on, we've got the money later on. He leaves, right? And like I, I tell Dwellin, now's your time. Get some of his guys on your side. Dwellin, the weird doofball, steps up and all of a sudden makes this amazing speech. Yeah. At he the like end of the speech. like beast mode yeah, all of a sudden. At the yeah. end of the speech, I like shoot off my last fireball in the air as a firework. And a bunch of his dwarf workers come over to work for Dwellin. Yeah, three of them went over and worked for Dwellin. <laughs> and yeah. as soon as they got over, he went back into weirdo mode. Yeah, and they're like, like, uh, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah, There's like, no oh, way our buddy's oh. taking us back anymore. Yeah. It was funny because... This whole night, this was what you you said in your plans. You had two sentences. I had two sentences this. about get and we back turned, to the city. We and, turned this yeah. whole thing into a. It's probably three hours. Three hours, like seven like, to ten was about fixing the, yeah. this bet, like everything. And so we got two ships. I convinced Dwalen to be partners with us. We're opening a Bumble Bottom Bed and Brewery cruise on liner, this cruise yeah. liner like on this liner, ship. Yeah. And a temple to Bokab yeah. because I got to you know get my Bokab. What's funny? We talked too. at one point in time. You were like, you know, we could just give them like. A closet, and they could just make an extra dimensional <laughs> yeah, space right. for the for the. But we temple. gave them, we gave them a whole deck of the ship, and so yeah. they're making a cruise liner for the Bumble Bottom Bed and Brewery. We put Timo, the halfling, in charge of managing both bed and breweries now, 
And the other ship we decided to make into a import export transporting our ale to different areas. Yeah. So we have the Bumble Bottom Brew ale that we want to make famous. And the other ale that we've decided was his Dwalen named the ship the Moonshine. Yeah. And he named his men the, the Moonshine Marauders. The Moonshine Marauders. <laughs> so we made a Moonshine Marauder mead. Yep. And it's a picture of Gimdor the Dwarf crying <laughs> into, into two yeah. goblets of mead and so it's we just want to embarrass this guy further and make this into a really yeah, rich, you were, I think famous your exact words mead. were we want to export this to the whole world yeah. so he's embarrassed all over the yeah. world he was a jerk and we're gonna make him pay for it he's never gonna live it down yeah <laughs> quite quite the revenge yeah but yeah. we so this that was the whole first night we got we went and got some nice tunics because we have to look nice we're like this is ceo business <laughs> you time guys is like what's you guys happening. entered this weird mode of like Ernie was doing like this one work, like this one job to find like a first mate for Dwaylem. And it was like super felt super shady the way that he was talking to him. I was like, you guys are turning into like the mob of the city. Like, what are you? Yeah, doing? it was funny because we joked that we basically got the power from this mercenary guild. And now they left because he was so ashamed. And now we're like, I guess we kind of got a little power uh, hungry. And now yeah, we went and made like this yeah. nice tunic. We and, just like, replaced one uh, <laughs> pompous like group of people with you us. In, you invented the neck bow tie yeah. in the world now. And, yeah. But so we did that. We had two ships now. We're thinking we're going to start making some pretty sweet money. And mm-hmm. anyway, after that, this guy shows up. And so now we're getting past the two first lines in your prep. And we're getting more into the Yeah, story. my first two lines say, you find yourselves on the ship, the Black Moon. Deal with Grimdor, Black Moon. That's all it says for the first two lines. So that was those first two <laughs> lines. There you go. You as DM are like, I got more stuff for next week yeah, now right. planned out already, so that's cool. So we finally started getting more into the actual meat of your story. This guy shows up, Bolton Reed. He looks like a wizard. He starts telling everybody He looks dragons. really grubby, though. Like yeah. he's traveled a long way. He starts yeah. telling everybody that dragons are coming. Hundreds of dragons, that they're back. And everybody's like, we don't believe you. Dragons haven't been going. They're more here for like a laughing at him. Like, they think he's ha, funny. Ha. Like, oh, you're a doomsayer. Well, we're ha, just ha. like, uh, Dale probably wouldn't like this guy. Like, this guy's hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. Dale probably doesn't want this guy just talking. So we kind of like. Yeah, he said, there are dragons among aside. us that look like us, and there's also hundreds more yeah. coming. We had a little bit of a confrontation, but we finally pull him aside. We talked to him. Dale came, kind of spoke to him, was like, what's the information? And he shared some information with us about dragons being in North Otham, another country in your world where it's like an Arctic region, and they're hiding out there in caves. And so we're like, all right, we got this teleportation thing. We can go there. But we don't want this guy speaking about this anymore. Yeah. So knowing from the last couple sessions that dragons will not bleed if you prick them if they're in like a transformed form, I'm like, I'm going to test this guy out. I prick him. He does bleed. Yeah, we yeah. know he's okay. And so we let him go, and we are off to North Otham. Well, he made you guys prick yourselves, too, because he's yeah. like, what? Well, which was a it. problem, because Dale is a dragon, yeah. but I used prestidigitation to make Dale bleed a little, and he missed me saying it quietly, so it worked. Yeah. I rolled, I rolled for it, because I was like, he's a wizard. He's probably going to know, but... He's kind of intimidated right now, so he may be distracted. Yeah, and I focused rolled, on different and he things. And got, he got a crit one. There you like go. He, so, you, yeah, you guys were like debating about like what it was. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to roll it, see yeah. what happens, see if it even makes a difference. And I was just like, yeah, it it just stop arguing about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he got a one to see if yeah. he even noticed. So, yeah. so we were fine. Uh, we let him go on his way because we trusted he wasn't going to say anything. Dale put the, the fear of the dragons into him. Yeah. So we head out. We jump in the teleportation portal. We go to North Otham. 
We spend a day there. We sleep, make watch. Nothing happens. The next day, though, we see something in the woods. Well, you guys don't. Casey's hawk. Casey's hawk sees it. Starts going after it. We start going after it. It's like jumping from tree to tree. Like this thing's running. Finally, we catch up to this, and it's a troll. And so I'm ready to use fireball, but he's he's cowering, and I'm so. We surround him. He's like the only one you can see, and he's cowering. I I talk to him. He doesn't understand me. He starts talking in what sounded like giant. We don't understand giant. I talk to him in Draconic because I'm like, is he in line with the dragons? He answers in Draconic. Very broken. A little bit suspicious here. Basically, we talk to him, and we find out, and we don't know at this point, but with our sense motive checks, we believe that he's telling the truth. Uh, He and another troll... We meet the other troll. They say, we're not like the other trolls. We don't eat humans. We're peaceful. We got kicked out of our tribe because we... Basically, they were curious, yeah, about uh, the history We asked of about the dragons. dragons. They said, dragons haven't been here forever. We're like, uh, yeah, they're here. Or they will be, yeah. You guys are going to show us around the mountains in the caves, or we're going to be pretty upset with you. And I, like, pull out my fireball spell and just hold it in my hand. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, 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 we'll show you, we'll show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, we'll help you kill the dragons. Like, we don't like the dragons yeah. either, yeah. Basically, because they have fire. I'm <laughs> translating to all the other PCs, and I'm just like, this is what they're saying. I trust them. But we're still going to be smart. <laughs> yeah. So I tell Martin in common, like, keep a bead on his head. I tell Ernie, keep a spell ready. If they jump us, we're going to kill them first. And so they lead us into the mountains, and we reach a cave. Now, this next part, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I wasn't there. But basically, we get to the caves, and there's all these frost giants, but they're turned to stone. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, does Chris have a homebrew dragon that has a petrification <laughs> breath attack? Because that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Caleb and Casey, who have played in a one-shot you did one night, are like, whoa, that's from that one-shot. Yeah. We did that. If you'd like to hear about that, Chris, you're you're editing that podcast, and hopefully it's up by now. And you can go and either buy it on our website for a dollar, or you could become a bronze dragon, get all of our bonus content for a dollar per month. Yep. It doesn't matter. You don't need to know that. Uh, but if you would like to hear that story, go and check out that bonus pod. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, so that's where we were at the beginning of this cave with these frost giants. We went into the cave. We see more frost giants that are like petrified running in this cave as they're running away from something. Well, it looks like they were running to something. To something. Yeah. They okay. were running back into uh, the cave. Yeah. The trolls tell us this was a long time ago this happened. It's all over this country. Frost giants are turned to stone. Happened a long time ago. Then we saw that there were fire scorch marks in this cave. There was like ice over top of them. Like it had like melted some of the ice and burned whatever was in there. And then other ice like Mm -hmm. froze over top of it. So it's like (laughs) scorch marks in the ice. And basically I was like, man, these trolls are going to be screwed in this battle (laughs) because fire is no good for them. Yeah. But that's where we ended. Yep. We were pretty sure we found the dragon's cave. (laughs) First time's the charm. Yeah. Thanks to the trolls. Yeah. But so they're going to help us fight a fire dragon. (laughs) Maybe. And we'll, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. next time. So uh, that'll be on a future story time. You'll have to stay tuned and check out what happens. Yep. Yep. So. All right, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Coffee, Matt! Just a mouthful. No! <laughs> Looks like meat. Back on the menu, boys! 
right, so for our meat of the episode, we are joined once again from one of the hosts of the RPG Academy. Last time, you might remember, during one of our creation and inspiration episodes, we were joined by Michael from the RPG Academy. Tonight, we get the pleasure of having his companion, his cohort, his co-host and friend, Caleb from the RPG Academy is joining us tonight to talk about leveling up. That is our topic for the evening. But first of all, Caleb, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Mitch. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. I am stoked to be here tonight. Wow, we're very excited to have you here. Yes, we are. Before we begin talking about the, the awesomeness that is leveling up, we have a couple questions just for you, Caleb. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. First off, you are one of the hosts on the RPG Academy. How did you end up podcasting in the first place and being a part of that podcast? Tell us a little bit of that story. Well, if we want to go the nice official version of the story, (laughs) I started interacting with the RPG Academy back when it had a different name. I met up with them on social (laughs) media. Yeah, that's that's a name that we're not using anymore for any potential alleged lawsuits that might be out there. (laughs) Not that they exist. Probably a safe idea. I remember the change because I told I told Michael that you guys actually inspired me. Like you were you guys were one of the ones that I was like, oh, like they do such a good job. I would like to start doing a D and D podcast. And I remember the day when you guys changed, and I was like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> I think it took me a little while to find you guys or something. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. there was a little confusion. Yeah, that was our big fear. But we decided that uh, in the hopes, in the dreams, that one day we would become more than just two guys in the basement talking into the internet we would not deal would not want to deal with any potential alleged fallout from Mm -hmm. that group of spellcasters that's out on the west (laughs) part of the country mages of the beach you mean mages of the beach yeah i uh, i met up with michael basically over social media as he was pimping out and promoting his website we ended up discovering that we lived fairly close to each other And I volunteered my services as a fellow GM because I liked his style. I liked his product. I liked what he was putting out. I started writing a little bit for the website. And uh, when his podcast had an opportunity for a guest co-host, he very kindly invited me on. One thing led to another, and now I am the official co-host and have been for a year, year and a half by now, I think. And we're going full steam ahead. I'm assuming that... You know, it took a lot of money for him to get you to come on, and your paycheck was uh, a pretty big one to start off with. Yeah, you can't see because we're on streaming here, but I'm on a boat right now <laughs> well we, we all know you know we're, we podcast we know how lucrative it is so oh we totally got yeah. into it because of the money oh absolutely this is the the most lucrative industry in the world uh to all the listeners if i can lift the curtain we're in palaces right now that are mm-hmm. on boats which are also Shh, in don't airplanes tell that. which hey, are also on airplanes we're trying to stay relatable <laughs> i mean we're totally in a basement for real kids absolutely in the basement all right that's that's awesome uh i like the fact that you guys got together and started teaming up it's nice to hear a perspective from not one but two people right chris yes yeah (laughs) you know shows just work better when it's not just one guy rambling for an hour and a half i i have listened to one person podcasts and i have to say there are some really interesting ones out there but i could not even imagine doing one for by myself and just talking to myself for like an hour and a half it'd be crazy but so there was at one point a point where you got first time involved in rpgs and dnd tell us how you first started getting involved in that and playing dnd 
Well, for me, I started as a player. Um, this was way back when I was in college. I had known about the game for a while, just because, you know, you hear the term Dungeons and Dragons and role playing game and you know what it is. But none of my friends when I was younger actively played. When I got into college, the group I was hanging out with, they had been playing since they were kids. And uh, they invited me to come along one night. We started back with second edition Dungeons and Dragons. They let me just hang out with them. I learned how to play. They taught me. We ended up forming a pretty solid gaming group. We played through the rest of college until we all had that uh, unfortunate parting of ways when college is over <laughs> because we all moved. Yep. <laughs> that is a lot of times when Dungeons & Dragons groups break up, right around yeah. that time. But those were uh, those were the good old days. I mean, we, we played through 3.0 and 3.5, and uh, those were the times when we would just commit to... 12-hour marathon games. Yep. With, Similar yep. story from yep. us. We yep. remember those days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'd stay up all night. We'd blow the entire weekend running a campaign start to finish. Papers would be late. It was great. <laughs> yeah. There were piles of pizza boxes. There was Mountain Dew stains on every sheet. We would end up getting into real-world fights because someone yes. cheated a dice roll. There was storming out of the house. There were table flips. It, it, it was so such familiar. a wonderful time. I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, and nowadays, geez, if if you want to play for more than two hours, it's like, come on, guys, we got stuff to do. Let's go. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> All right. So eventually, you went from playing to DMing, which is what our podcast is about. How did you make that transition? Was it something that you were forced into? Was it something that you decided one day I want to I want to try this out? It was a little bit of both. As we were getting into the 3.5 era of Dungeons & Dragons, that was when the rules and the format of the game really clicked for me, and I felt it was something that I could grasp well enough to actually take charge of. And just like every kid of our generation in his early 20s, I, I fancied myself as a writer, so I said, oh, well, geez, I want to write these stories, and, and here's a great way to experiment with these stories and tell these epic tales just like the movies. Amen. And our regular GM, who ran every single game for years and years and years, he loved running, but he was also a really good teacher. So he was showing me how things worked and how rules worked and how to build homebrew characters and races and rules and all that kind of stuff. There was just one summer where I said, hey, I've got this idea. I want to try to put it together, put it on paper. And he said, well, hey, let's run with it. Let's let's kick that off for our fall campaign. And he just gave me a shot and I took it and ran with it. So I got stuck in the GM role from that point forward. That's awesome. That's good that you had a person like that. We on our last episode just talked about how campaigns can end prematurely and Chris and me both shared about how some of our first DMs were just not the greatest yeah. DMs in the sense of some being of them helpful. Were really, really. Bad. <laughs> so it's it's awesome that not only you had a DM that like cared, but cared enough to teach you and teach you how to DM and kind of that you could learn from. And yeah, that's that's a great thing. Yeah, we we have all witnessed the horrors of bad DMs at the table, and we all have yes. stories to share with that. I, I got pretty lucky with that original gaming group that I stuck with for all those years. Yeah, that's awesome. We're we're glad that you kind of were able to share a little bit of how uh, your your history with Dungeons and Dragons and DMing and playing both. Before we jump into our discussion on leveling up, is there anything else that you'd like to just share with our listeners? Anything you're currently working on right now? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Over at the RPG Academy, we have shows coming out pretty regularly. We're trying for every single week. We want to get our table topics out to the audience so that people can hear our discussions about different aspects and avenues of the game. We are absolutely active on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on Google+. You can always get a hold of us, mention ideas, talk about old shows. We did recently add forums to the RPGacademy.com. We are trying to uh, grow the activity there, so that's please, please reach out to us that way. Right now, Michael and I are working on uh, writing up a an introduction to gaming module, a two-part project. The first part is going to be essentially a an introduction guide to a brand new GM, someone who's never played before or is curious about the rules, follow the instructions, how to be a GM kind of guide. The second part of that project is a a complete module running levels 1 through 20 of a brand new campaign. We are creating it from scratch with a homebrew world. We are currently writing it in the current edition of Dungeons & Dragons. If we get an open gaming license by the time it comes to printing and production, we will be able to release it with those edition rules. If not, we will step backwards and rewrite a couple things when uh, using the rules we are allowed to. <laughs> so that's going on right now. We have tons of updates on our social media about it, so you can always see where we're going with that. And the other big project is we are hosting our first official gaming convention, a Catacon, will be later this year in November. Tickets will be sold via Kickstarter. Michael is flooding the internet on the RPG Academy Twitter about things we're doing, people we're inviting, cool things we're offering. I'm not going to go over all those cool things for two reasons. One, because everyone is sick of hearing Michael talk about it. And and two, because I want to give some sort of incentive for people to go to our Facebook and read about it. Where's that con going to be held at? That con is going to be held in southern Ohio in the Cincinnati area at a very cool lodge on a national park. Basically, we are going to have a two and a half day gaming marathon. We've got a ton of special guests coming in. We're going to invite anyone who wants to be a GM to step up and volunteer to run for us. We have a really awesome room there. We're going to be able to do some bonfires outside. We have some movie nights scheduled. We have a a showing of uh, a great gaming-centered movie of Dyson Men. Nice. All kinds of fun stuff is happening and developing. We're going to add more and more to the list as we get closer to the end of summer, and it's going to be a really good time. That's awesome. So if you're in that area, if you're in Ohio or surrounding states, or you're willing to make that trip, check that con out and go. That would be awesome. sure that Caleb and Michael would love to see you there. Okay, so let's start talking about leveling up. So today we have Caleb here to talk about one of the probably biggest things and something I think a lot of players like to look forward to. Oh, yeah. And that would be leveling up. I know from our end, our players are always asking, how much (laughs) experience did we get? How much experience did we get? Because we want to get to such and such a level because my guy can start to do really cool things at level eight or whatever level it is that they're looking forward to getting to. And so when we talk about leveling up, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing it as a DM. You know, we'll talk about things such as, do you do it? Do you give out experience as you go, as they kill monsters? Do you do it at the end of the night? Do you give experience based on what characters or what creatures they end up killing? Do you give experience? (gasps) Do you give experience or do you just level them up every so often? Who knows? It's all open for discussion today. 
And so I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about before we talk about how much experience and how you dole that out is where are you going to start your campaigns? So are you going to start your campaign at a low level, a medium level, a, a high level? All of these things bring many different aspects into your role-playing night, depending on where you want to start in your campaign. And so we'll start out first talking about low-level campaigns. And we'll, we'll talk through pros and cons of both because in each of those levels, low, medium, and high, there are pros and cons that are going to come with that. So low-level campaigns, we're talking about starting off at level one. <laughs> I've heard people talking about level zero, you know, maybe a level two every now and then throw that kind of campaign in. But if you're going to start at a low level, more often than not, I think most people start off with their players at level one. So why would you as a DM want to start uh, your your players off at a level one level. There's a lot of players who would say there's nothing I can do at first level, which is silly because we as DMs know that you can, of course, do many, many great, awesome things at first level at any level. But there are players who will become frustrated at first level. But uh, what are some pros to starting at first level? Well, for me, I think one of the biggest things is I personally really enjoy that humble beginnings to all player characters and their stories. I like that basically now you start at a, at a humble beginning at level one. You are lower level characters. And in my philosophy, level doesn't really mean too much to me when it comes to the story. I don't think of my NPCs in level format. I don't know about you guys, but is that is that something that kind of comes into your mind? I mean, it kind of has to to an extent because of having stats and things like that, but... I don't think of my characters and I go, oh, like I'm placing this level to this NPC and this. Does that kind of come into play with you guys or no? Well, for me on my end, I very rarely consider the level of an NPC unless I am putting him or her or it into a combat situation. Because at that point, I'm looking at the balance of that NPC versus my party. If I am just making up a world and there's a bartender and a duke and a king, I don't care what their level is because it doesn't mean anything. Exactly. I think the most important part of, of a low-level or first-level campaign is the story. A low-level campaign gives players an opportunity to really develop their character organically. It's a way to really make decisions as the character would. That's the core of role-playing. That's what we're doing when we're playing this game. So when you start at level one, you might have an idea in your head that, okay, this is the background of my fighter, and this is why he or she is a fighter. But then you start making decisions, and you start dealing with consequences, and you start really seeing the motivation of your character. And you can keep going with where you come from. You can drastically alter and change and evolve. And that is one of the best reasons to play a low-level campaign. I think that's a great point, like character development. I think that as DMs, we are very interested in character development, both from our NPCs, but also from our players' characters. And we want to see our players like have their characters develop throughout the story. And even in a level sense of picking different feats, multi-classing, all that kind of things, if you start at a low level, it's different if you're starting at a mid-level or high level and you already pick out all the things and you already set your character. But your idea, like you said, might change along the lines depending on the story. And that character development can really be played out and shown through the leveling up of a character and what path they choose. 
And I think that's a huge, huge point for saying, start at a low level. That would be a good pro in that sense. That idea of there's nowhere to go but up can be a pro. The other side of that would be that I, I think many players would also possibly say, well, I couldn't be any lower than I am now, especially especially if you want to be that GM or DM who wants to go, hey, let's start at level zero. Does that sound fun to you guys? <laughs> I would echo everything that Caleb said. I, I For me, NPCs have a backstory. I create mm-hmm. some sort of backstory, but I don't necessarily think of the level when I'm thinking about that. I think more about the level when it comes to combat type scenarios in yeah. and of itself just because i want to remain consistent in you know what is actually going to hit when i roll or you know if something's cast a spell you know what i'm adding to it i want to make sure that that's consistent even though i could completely lie about it the whole time and nobody would ever know but i for me it's like i just want to keep that part of it consistent but it doesn't really tie into the backstory as a dm whatsoever. you don't really go up to your players with an npc and say hey guess what i'm level 20 no you have them do something really cool or show show their might or possibly they're the the strong silent type that don't even show their true power or the reverse you don't have a person go up and say hey i'm really weak i'm level 1 no you show them through the role playing of that character that this is this is some guy that can easily be beat it doesn't equate to levels it equates to story story at a low level is more important than the dice and the numbers on your sheet there are plenty of times where in a low level campaign i will let a player succeed at an action or an activity simply by virtue of their role playing and their narration if a, if a player really beautifully narrates this crazy action scene of of getting into a fight or doing some crazy acrobatic move to to take out a thief i'm not going to ruin their fun at describing all of that by making them after that roll a d20 and say oh sorry you didn't your number wasn't high enough sorry you didn't quite get it yeah exactly with a low level campaign you kind of have to reward that off the sheet playing Sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, that moment where I've had moments that I've seen DMs. I've been, uh, you know, confession time, I've done it myself in my early days when a player will, through their character, make a really great speech or something, like some amazing, I'm like, whoa, that was really sweet. And then I'll go, oh, moral diplomacy or something. I've seen other DMs do it as well. And then the players look at their sheet and they're like, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> like, and then, of course, they do roll really bad at that. And how do, you, how do you go with that? Well, you could also take into account their role playing and say, well, I'm giving you a huge bonus because of that. You know, we will still roll. But I think that's a good point, too, is, you know, at low levels, try and be a little bit more gentle and easy with that and let the story take precedent. Yeah, I think, too, if you reward the creativity at a lower level, it's a way for your players to be bought into your story early because they know that you care about them a lot. Because if you're just, I mean, and I've done it, too, where it's like, you know, I just, you still have to roll for that, and then it doesn't work. It's like that could be the, not maybe the make or break point, but it could be that point where people are like, wow, this is this is a lot more fun than what I thought it was going to be. You know, especially especially if you have new players for the first time playing, and they're at low levels rewarding that creativity because role-playing will be kind of weird for them at first. Rewarding that kind of creativity can go a long way in a player's mind to get them solidified into your story. So I think that's a huge thing. Is to re- Even if you're starting at low levels, to reward creativity. I definitely agree there. I think the other thing that is a benefit to starting at a low level 
is for us as the GMs and the DMs. I am I am absolutely on record and I firmly stand by my statement that I hate playing low-level campaigns, <laughs> but I do have certain campaigns that I've written that I had to start at level one simply for the scope of the story that I wanted to tell. I wanted to see certain epic developments in my proposed campaign, and I realized that if I didn't have my players start at level one, that sense of accomplishment and terror and world-rending actions would not be there. That impact would be lost. So I had to make myself start at a low level, bite the bullet, and get through it for the sake of the game and for the sake of the story. I think another thing for me that is a a huge pro is that a low-level campaign is if you have people who are new and interested in playing D&D for the first time, Low level is where I think is the best place to start them. I remember the first time I played, I really wanted to be a wizard. Whenever I played video game RPGs, that's what I want, the path I chose. I always try to learn magic, everything. So I remember the DM trying to convince me not to be a wizard. And they're like, it's complicated. And I was like, no, no, no. I really want to play a wizard. So I got to play a wizard. And yes, first time playing, it was complicated. <laughs> it was complicated for a number of reasons, but I can only imagine playing a wizard at a ninth level campaign for the first time and not having any clue what the heck to do and and getting like all these complicated spells and all these other things and so many spells. I mean, at first level as a wizard, there's enough spells your first time going in to be like, whoa, this is a lot to deal with the first time. But like starting off low level with new players, I think is always going to be the best choice. The con of that is that there are, are experienced players out there that starting at a low level like first level or, or level zero or two is going to be harder for them because it's almost just it's it's going back to that like I couldn't be any lower than I am right now mentality. Yeah. So some experienced players are going to find that hard. But I do think, like you said, Caleb, that there are definite pros as a DM. Another pro, in my opinion, is just the math of it. Caleb, you mentioned before, like when we were talking, when we were just interviewing you at the beginning, like remember those college days when we played 12 hours like in a row? Well, even at this point when we play like four hours sessions at night, five hours, we play into the nighttime when it's dark and it's, it's getting late and there are points where it reaches that we're tired and we're having fun, but even the simplest of math is like, all right, I got to add two dice together and then that modifier Oh, uh, what is it? It's taking me a second, guys. Well, if you're at like level ten, forget about it. Like we, I, I've done it, and oh my gosh, that's the one one big pro for me. That's huge, is I'm not a math guy, and low level math is just so nice for me. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. Um, in our old age, as experienced tired gamers, <laughs> we want things to be easy, just so we can play the game and have some fun. Uh, so yeah, throwing together a quick and dirty low-level campaign certainly saves us time, makes it a little bit easier when we've worked all day and then get together at 9 or 10 at night and then play for a couple hours and have to get up again in the morning. But you're absolutely right, Mitch. Experienced players sitting down at the table, whether they're grouped together and playing a low-level campaign for the sake of the story or they're helping a new player learn how to play, I think that's where the frustration happens. Because speaking from experience, I know that as a fifth level character, I can do X, Y, and Z. 
I know that as a 10th level character, I can be so much more awesome. And now I'm sitting here and I added two. <laughs> You've tasted the lobster tail and then they gave you the imitation lobster the next time. Man, it wasn't even imitation lobster, Chris. It was <laughs> a, a, a McDonald's french fry in, instead. It, it was the worst a possible. Cold, well, warm McDonald's french fries are amazing. It was a cold <laughs> McDonald's french this, fry. This was a cold McDonald's was. french fry that was in the floor of your car that you lost. <laughs> And somehow and like, looks hey, the same three months later. <laughs> yeah. You could have lobster, but here's this three-month-old McDonald's French fry from your You car. think it still looks the same. You <laughs> think it still might taste good. But the minute you do it, it's going to make you hurl. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but so, you know, we, we talk about playing at a 10th level. And I know for anybody who's played 3.5, you know how out of balance and out of whack that can get at points in time playing a higher campaign. The nice part about starting at a low-level campaign is everybody is pretty much at the same playing field. The balance, it has a very high point of balance. Everybody's pretty much feeling like they're accomplishing what they've set out to accomplish, and there's nobody that runs in and is like, I'm going to kill everything before you can even do anything. You know, So everybody feels like they're accomplishing something at the beginning. I think, I think that's one bonus and one benefit to starting at a low level campaign is that there's a there's a high sense of balance between everybody in the group. Yeah, that's a that's a definite pro for the DM side of things. I I know playing going into higher levels as a DM, sometimes I really just get frustrated having to go, I'm going to have to start getting creative because this player's character is way less powerful than this one. And so you often, you know, we've talked about like what do you do then? Do you throw in the creatures that the more powerful player can do battle and make it difficult, but if the lower powered player character gets hit, they're dead? Or do you throw in the ones that the lower power player can their character can actually hit the thing, but the other powerful PC is going to just obliterate it as soon as he hits it? The balance starts to become an issue. And we will talk about more ways to make that an easier thing to handle later on the episode but that is definitely something that at lower level things can be easier now that's that being said if you're starting at lower level that doesn't mean that you're not going to progress into higher levels so that at some point may become a problem so something to think about it is a pro of lower levels that balance is definitely a is a thing to take into account yeah, I, I agree. The party is balanced. There is an equal sense of accomplishment. There's an equal sense of danger to everyone at the table. And it's easier for us running the game. Uh, if everyone is a level one or a level two, you know pretty much what the numbers are on their sheet without thinking too hard. You know what hits are going to kill and what hits are not going to kill. Exactly. That's more true, I think, in the current edition of Dungeons & Dragons. I think with other games and even older editions of D&D, so there was a little bit more that the players could do even at lower levels that could make the, the DM's job a little bit more challenging. But in general, if everyone is starting in the same area, they're all going to be equally able to deal with a challenge. That's enough about lower levels. What if you want, as the DM, to start off at a mid-level campaign? Uh, which, I mean, what would be a mid-level campaign? I would probably say starting at level 5 would be the starting point of a mid-level campaign. Maybe going up into, I would probably say, level 5 through probably level 14-ish. It would be a mid-level campaign. What do you guys think? Is that even... I mean, this is kind of up to for debate right now, but... 
because I know there are players who will go into level 40. <laughs> so I, I think that's a pretty good range uh, in my mind. I think, you know, our players talk a lot about like, man, I really want to get to level eight because that's where I get to do a lot of stuff. And that's kind of where I think for me is like the mid range of middle level campaigns mm-hmm. because that's where our players like I know for Caleb and Mark, they always have their characters like leveled out and they're like, man, I just I can't wait to get to level eight. Yeah, there's so many cool things that I can do then. So I think right around there would be a healthy medium for me for a mid-level campaign. What about you, Caleb? Oh, oh for the most part, agree. Um, I, I think it depends a lot on what game you're playing. When we're talking about current versions of Dungeons & Dragons, they've pretty much gone from level 1 to 20. Usually you could push it to level 30 or so, still within the scope of the rules. Uh, 3.5 did throw the epic level handbook at us, which let you go as high as you wanted and just make everything up and go absolutely bonkers. Uh, you know, if you wanted to have a giant entire army of beholders and you played a wizard who floated around on an island and threw fireballs at the world <laughs> below you, you could do that. So not only the DM needs a pound of dice, but every player. <laughs> right. For the most sense, though, if we're talking modern Dungeons & Dragons, you're looking at level 1 to 20. I would say if we're talking about a, a mid-range, a mid-level campaign, yeah, starting off at level 5, going up towards level 10 is what I consider mid-range. Other gaming systems, though, don't have the same limitations to levels. So that's a totally different discussion, which we're not really diving into. But some of those games are based on uh, like a point build system. So you you might have a, a bigger chunk of character build points. So maybe when we're getting into, quote, mid-level, you're getting you know, 20 or 30 build points as opposed to 10 or 12 build points. All games are different. But yeah, in general, in D&D, starting off at, at 5th or 8th level, that that's a nice sweet spot. Players have a little bit of freedom of choice. They can be a lot more successful on the game map. You can throw some more difficult challenges at them. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of the pros for, especially for your players, is your players can, like you said, it's a little bit more diverse. They can they can already start making their characters do those cool things that they want their characters to do. They can already start multiclassing if that's something they would like to have. So they can they can start off with a pretty sweet stat wise character if you start mid level campaign right off the bat. I think the the con of that is going back to what we were talking about with low level. What you brought up, Caleb, is that that means that there's going to be less character development. How did this character get? to be a multi-class thief wizard. Well, how did they get there? Well, you put that in your backstory, but we don't actually get to play it. We don't actually get to see it happening. There might not be that, you know, because there's there's that emotional attachment to a character when they try to fight a couple of orcs and they almost die, but they end up succeeding. Like, you remember those stories from lower levels. Instead, you're trying to have to make them up and become emotionally attached to them that way, which... You know, players can have a hard time with as at points of time really being invested in their backstory. And backstories is a good thing to talk about here for a pro because, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before that players will come to the table with these crazy backgrounds. They'll say, the sword that I have plus one is something that I, my father used to kill 
a great white dragon and and I helped him defeat it and all these crazy crazy backgrounds and they're really cool but then you look at the player and you're like you realize we're starting at level one right like <laughs> if a dragon pops up you're not you're gonna toast. survive like do not fight it you will die please don't go out looking for dragons but that being said if you start off at a mid-level campaign those backstories you can be a little bit more lenient on the backstories and your characters can have done some pretty cool things already they can have a pretty sweet backstory going along with that i think your your campaigns can have grander beginnings themselves you can throw your players from the get-go into more dangerous situations yeah absolutely when you start at a mid-level you are telling the story you're not experiencing the story and that has positives and negatives on both sides i personally am of the opinion that if i get the opportunity to craft a character at a higher level that I get to have more fun with at the table, I'm going to be able to build a very cool story and write that story as to what to define their choices and to justify the decisions I made for levels and feats and spells. Now, I know a lot of people will argue with me and say it's it's not as good storytelling because you didn't earn those choices. You didn't get to really experience the weight of picking one feat over another. Why did you pick a feat for leadership instead of a feat for melee combat? What's your justification? Well, my response is, well, I'm going to write the backstory and give you the justification. Give me a minute to pick up my pencil. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, but it's really all about uh, the feel of the table. You know, if you as a GM want to say, hey, guys, write a crazy story and build a really cool character that you're going to have a blast with, awesome. If you're a GM that says, no, I, I want to see these choices develop, I want my players to earn and really define their characters, well, then you got to play the other way. You know, as long as you're comfortable doing it, as long as everyone at the table is on board with that style, the game's going to be fun. But if there's a big discrepancy, then people are going to clash and the game will not be as fun. Yeah, I think you made a good point that it, it kind of depends on what the table is feeling at the time. You know, because if you have a if you have a group of you know new players or they played through one campaign session or one campaign setting that you've done, they might not have played enough or have enough depth into role playing to say, "I know why I'm taking this feat. I know why I'm I did what I did in the past. That's why I wrote this story that way." You know, so it might be something that you know you don't you don't do that on the the second trip through role playing for the first time. You know, you you just might not do that with your characters. It might be something that if you've been playing for five six seven years you get to that point where you understand like my character if we would have played from a lower level would have made this choice and then he would have made this choice and then he would have made this choice you know so i think it just depends on how much knowledge your players have of D or any role-playing game that they would play personally me as a dm i'm always going to love low-level starting campaigns. That being said, not every campaign story needs to start off at low level. If you watch TV, if you watch movies, if you read books, not every character that were introduced, not every group of characters start off at a low-level, quote-unquote, power level. We don't see in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you have to go into other books uh, to to get Gandalf's beginnings, but we don't see Gandalf's beginnings, and uh, we never see Gandalf as a low-level character. But there are certain characters that them coming in as a higher-level, a mid-level character with already pre-made backgrounds 
is a good backdrop for the story that you're going to tell. Players always want to have awesome backstories for their characters that they did this, they did that. Well, sometimes some of the campaigns that you as a DM are going to tell, you almost want to welcome that and say, hey guys, like we are starting off at a little higher level. You guys should have already done stuff in the world. I want to encourage you guys to come up with some cool things, like maybe even throwing out, like here's here, let me work with you. Let's figure out some cool things areas that you guys could have already fought some cool things or uh, defeated some cool monsters in my world and work you into the history of my world already. Like there are uh, stories that can be told from that perspective where mid-level storytelling can be a great place to start. And, And that is a great way to cheat your game prep as the guy behind the screen. If you have your players come up with things that have already happened in the world, you can just steal that and build your campaign off of it. I mean, let's say you have an idea where this group of experienced heroes has been hired to do this certain task, and you have in your head the the enemies they're going to fight. If your players come up with this really cool backstory of this rogues guild of assassins that has been dogging them and they've been battling it out with, for the entire pre-game backstory, go ahead and reward them and put these guys in the game. Drop that hint, save that for a dramatic a dramatic cliffhanger, all of a sudden you turn around and it's blank. The villain you've been chasing. Hey, you know that guy that was taunting you to come into this dungeon? It's that guy from your backstory. Blow your player's mind and throw them that tidbit. That's a really cool thing to do. And reward their creativity. In a very recent game I played, it was a system I was very unfamiliar with, and the gentleman running the game was helping explain things to me, and he gave me some great prompts to develop my character. And I came up with this kind of grizzled war veteran who had participated in all these great wars as a a tactical genius, not a genius, but a a very tactically-minded, defense-oriented character. He was on the front lines. But his goal, his motivation was to protect his fellow warriors. And I loved the backstory of this character. And then I look at my character sheet as a first level character. I have like two spells and none of them are really defensive. (laughs) And I can't really do my story says I should be able to do. But I'm a genius. (laughs) Yeah, I, I had this level of disconnect between what I was describing and what my paper said I could do. So I had to challenge myself to role play in a way that utilized what I could do versus how I viewed myself. So that's that's a challenge for players. And it's something that if your player is like, hey, man, I want to have this awesome story, you got to say, let's do it. Let's jump up a couple levels so you can really live out this PC that you've introduced me to. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I really, really like about doing mid-level campaigns is there's a lot of cool creatures that you can throw in that are in that mid-level range. Right off the bat, yeah. Right off the bat. You mean I don't have to use goblins again? (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, if you start off all the time low-level, Orcs can get stale. Goblins can get stale. I mean, you can change stats around. You can change their AC. You can have different ACs for each one that's in a battle. I mean, you can you can do a lot of things to vary what people are running into. But at the same time, at the end of the day, they're still facing orcs. They're still facing goblins. They're still facing kobolds. They're basically meat fodder that everybody has to get through in order to level up 
to get to the really cool creatures that everybody's waiting to fight. I think that's the cool part about starting at a mid-level campaign is you don't have to go through that grind of killing all of these low-level creatures that everybody's fought and seen in movies and everything like that. Or at the very least, you can use Great Cleave and chop the heads off of six orcs in one <laughs> one turn rather yeah, right. than being like, oh, I hope this orc doesn't crit me because I'm yeah, probably right. going to die. <laughs> well, yeah, with, with a mid-level combat encounter... You can let your PCs be awesome right. really early on. If you want to really let them shine, throw those cheesy, horribly repetitive first-level goblins and kobolds at them and let them go to town. Throw 40 of them on the on the game map and let them just <laughs> leave straight through the middle of them. Let them be awesome. Yep. There are so many times that I've run a low-level campaign and I've been so bored with wolves and zombies and goblins that i've picked the the cooler monsters and just ripped away all their better stats i'm like all right you guys are fighting a hydra with one, two heads and five hit points. <laughs> baby <laughs> hydra because i'm bored i get bored because i have the experience this hydra looks like he's been smoking for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i've gone so far as to throw a monster into a dungeon and described him as, you come across this this horrible monster, he looks like he's already been beat up by somebody else. <laughs> you just have to put the finishing touches on it. Yeah, he, he's trapped under a rock slide, and he's, he's kind of swiping at you half-heartedly. You could basically coup de gras him if you wanted to. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Because well, one of the things, when you have experience under your belt, you want to get to the fun stuff. Right. And low-level campaigns, on the surface, stop being challenging to you running the game because your head is already going to the next three levels of where you want the story to go and what you want your characters to be able to do. You have to make yourself as a as a GM or a DM regress and say, okay, how do I make this first level, oh my goodness, we might die if the kobold hits me, <laughs> fun and exciting. Low-level campaigns really can be a challenge to GMs, and they can kind of serve as a great refresher course. But when you can jump into a mid-level campaign as a GM, you can kind of shake the dust off and say, okay, now we can do something really cool. Now I can throw in this awesome monster or put him through the ringer in this crazy dungeon. I can throw some really creative NPCs at him. I can bust out that evil necromancer that I've been waiting to use with, with a bunch of minions and stuff. Then you can really do a lot of cool things. As I say, if, if anybody's a DM like me, I always start like with the campaign I did now. I started with the end in mind and then worked my way backwards to get to the point that I was at. And so I'm already thinking like, man, we got some really cool encounters coming up. And there were times where you guys would fight Kabuls and I'm like, oh, I just wish we were like four <laughs> levels higher just so we could start fighting some really cool stuff. Man, I wish that we were just at the end of the campaign already because there's some pretty awesome stuff. I could almost happen. sense that in you as a player, like knowing as a DM. And unfortunately, part of the I have DM for a while now is that you will throw a monster in front of me and I'll be like, uh, I know what AC that thing has. I know what like I know at least around the hit points it has, what it can do. And I remember one time like we were at a level and you threw a white dragon at us, and I was like, "We're dead, guys. We're dead." Yeah. <laughs> like there's no way. <laughs> but for story Unless purposes, Chris I did. homebrewed this. We're yeah. dead. <laughs> but for story purposes, like you were saying, Caleb, I totally stripped that thing yeah. way down. You so wanted like, us to get into those cool battles. Yeah. Makes yep. sense. Well, you yep. also can do the reverse of that. You can throw a really low-level creature at experienced gamers, and all of a sudden, the fighter hits the kobold, and the kobold just laughs. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, it's a cheap, cheesy move. Especially when it's two and a half feet tall as a Kabul. level 20 commoner Kabul. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, you can do really creative things like that to keep the game fresh. And in my experience as a GM, I have gone from starting, I played exactly by the book. I, I read every rule exactly like it was supposed to be. I played out every instance of experience and leveling and combat word for word from the page and now i've i've through experience you know evolved a little bit and gotten to the point where i can take that freedom and understand here's how we make the game more interesting for everybody at the table and when you when you get into a mid-level campaign you can really exercise those creative muscles and get everybody interested in new and exciting ways. Maybe one of the cons uh, to a mid-level campaign, and we didn't really talk about that. We talked about players, like new players in low-level campaigns, but I would also say low-level campaigns is a good place for uh, new DMs to start. And going along with that, one of the cons that the higher up in level you're going to get at is that balance issue again. Uh, It's just an unfortunate part of many role-playing games, especially when it comes to players who certain players are really, really good at building characters and certain players are more interested in the story than the feat trees that they have and their stat blocks and how you can multi-class and everything. So that can kind of start to get away from you as a DM and you might have to do some creative thinking. A con, but it doesn't take away from anything that we said is a is a pro in that right. sense. You just I think that Caleb, you made a good point that they it becomes a experiences the DM, like maybe those low level campaigns are a little bit harder if you're an experienced DM to deal with because you want to get to these certain points. And so as you become more and more experienced as a DM, that balance issue will hopefully you'll you'll know how to handle that in whatever way you do, because I know different DMs would say there's different ways to do that. So let's talk about high-level campaigns, otherwise known as maybe epic-level campaigns. Let's talk about the pros and cons of high-level campaigns. I think one of the biggest pros for a high-level campaign, we talked about how mid-level campaigns, you can start at the grand beginning. You are not just nobody, but you start off a campaign at a high-level campaign, your players are going to be somebody's. You can start at the grandest of beginnings. We talked about encounters and stuff like that. You can, you know, when you play Skyrim for the first time, uh, dragon is the first like monster you see, but you don't fight that dragon because there's no nope. freaking way at level one you can beat that dragon. Well, if you're playing a high level campaign and a dragon pops down, the players are going to go, oh, it's on and charge right into battle. <laughs> like, well, you they might do that off. at low levels too. They'll just die. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to die. <laughs> you can start off at a really crazy beginning, start off in really dangerous moments. I think that gives people the freedom to say, you know, we talked about earlier, you know, Somebody has the plus one sword who their story was they killed a dragon with their dad. In this moment, yeah, you would be you would be allowed to do that. And plus five <laughs> Vorpal sword. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So you have those grandest beginnings as a possibility for that. You know, the epic battles is, is an awesome thing too. Like this is where you can start to fight. Like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, start to fight beholders and be worried about, you know, which eye stalk is gonna go off next. You know, is it gonna be the charm one? Is it gonna be the destruction ray one? Like which one am I gonna get hit by? Nobody'll ever know. You know, I can't cast magic. Why can't I cast magic if nobody's fought a beholder before? Because they haven't played higher level campaigns. This is a great opportunity for you guys to experience those types of things. Yeah, high level campaigns are where everybody who has the experience to handle it 
can just cut loose and have fun. Oh, yeah. You can build those crazy min-maxed, power-leveled characters who exist just to do that one really cool move. Normally, with a high-level campaign, it's not going to be a long campaign. Me, personally, I do high-level campaigns for one-shots because, hey, we can only get together for four hours. Let's have the most fun we can in these four hours. We've heard of this thing online that we really want to try at a high-level campaign. This is your chance to try it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If a new supplement comes out and it drops a level 20, level 22 new demon lord, or there's a new dungeon that is for level 15 to 20 characters, yeah, build me that character. Let's run the dungeon. Let's fight the demon. Here's a brand new dragon. Let's see what he can do. Just have fun with it. In those cases, again, you you have not experienced any of the story on your path to being this epic, world-renowned hero, but it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, especially if you're doing a one-shot. It doesn't matter at all, really. (laughs) Yeah. If if you want to say, okay, you're this crazy rogue, wizard, druid, elf who's part demon. (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Yeah. What's your backstory? I'm a crazy rogue wizard elf half And demon. I got here some sense in a high-level campaign. <laughs> it absolutely makes sense. Now, that being said, if you're up to the challenge, you can absolutely start at a high level and play a long-running campaign. You're starting as an epic hero, and you're facing epic challenges. I mean, if you want to play the game where every combat could destroy the world, if you want to journey to other planes of existence and fight deities and go down into the nine hells and uproot some some devils and demons in the abyss sure if the gm can handle a story like that if you as players can handle that intense level of balancing the rules and and constant fighting and and skill checks and stuff absolutely jump into it i think that stuff is fun i think this is where the min maxers dream is like this is where they would love to be all the time that's why i don't do many high level campaigns i think but then even if you do that even if you run a story you still have to have that moment where you go back to the bar and the bar keeps like looks like you've had a rough day and then you're just like yep i'll take an ale (laughs) there's so many tropes that you always want to see in a game even if i'm running a 20th level epic end of the world fight I still want to have fun with with the tropes and the stereotypes oh, yeah. of the D&D fantasy world, and, and you're always going to exploit those. But yeah, Mitch, uh, I'm a power gamer. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I pretty much figured you were from yeah. everything I you mean, said. I could tell. <laughs> I mean, learning— We're, we're all the, the different. Fact, I can accept yeah. it. <laughs> I, my, my name is Caleb, and I'm a power gamer. <laughs> I mean, there's no two ways about it. I feel like it. that would make a fun YouTube series, Power Gamers Anonymous or something like you that. You just take that clip that you just said and then put there like we a go. cheesy theme after it with like your face yeah. just thumbs up and just... There, the there's the new shirt. Gamer. Yeah, there's the new Come, shirt. There we go. Coming soon to Teespring. Um, I mean, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I grew up, I, I earned my D&D chops with 3.5 and that system was all about that level oh, yeah. of gaming. And I think that's why uh, I have the opinions I do when, when I'm approaching 4th edition or 5th edition or any other game. And the cool thing about the hobby is the hobby doesn't care. No, Anyone sitting at the table, we all have our own backgrounds. We all have our own likes and dislikes. But we're all playing the same game. We're all enjoying the same 
thing. I will say when we're looking at 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, 5th edition is really well balanced within its own confines. And even if you are writing up from scratch a 15th level character or a 20th level character, there is still a lot of inherent balance to those 5th edition rules. And that power creep isn't there as much. So if you are the type of person that wants to experience or experiment with a high-level campaign, but you don't want to deal with the craziness of all the math and all the numbers and all the dice and all the potential exploits of a min-maxed character and system, 5th edition streamlines that really well. Even though I'm creating a very powerful character, he is still very balanced within the world that he exists in. Well, I'll say this too. I think one of the pros about playing a high-level campaign, and you kind of said it, there's a lot of math. That comes because there's a lot of dice. <laughs> and there's something really satisfying about having both hands cupped together. Yep. With I dice cast and then fireball. Everybody watch me. <laughs> and then let it go and watch all of the dice do their and damage. And listening to it. And listening to it. There's just something so satisfying about that. At the same time, that can also be a con because it's like, hey, it's your turn. It's going to take you 15 minutes to add everything <laughs> yeah. together. I remember to in college we played a one shot. And I think that's a, you know, you, you made a good point that you can play high level campaigns for a long time if you're up for that challenge. But I think high level campaigns make good one shots or a couple night campaigns. I remember in college we did do a, a one shot where I think we played at like level 18 or something. Um and one of our friends was DMing for the first time. I told them, that's a mistake, buddy. <laughs> like, don't, <laughs> don't DM for the first time at level 18. Don't. So I came to the table, and it was we were starting really late, like maybe 10 o'clock. And I just remember reaching like 2 o'clock in the morning and all of us doing our attacks. And I was just like, guys, you all look miserable. I told you it was going to be a lot of math. <laughs> like, you chose 18th level. <laughs> but, yeah, that the, a lot of dice is let's be honest very cool it's just a physical way of just looking at the game and being like i'm pretty powerful right now that's pretty sweet that i can do this so especially for power gamers like yourself caleb yeah rolling a lot of dice is awesome adding up a lot of dice is not <laughs> awesome and there's a solution to that and that's there are apps for that oh, right? yeah absolutely. like you can maybe you, you can, can do the best apps of both that worlds will do the math for you so if you hate math like me the solution to that would just be, hey, you can play a high-level campaign and just, just get a nap. <laughs> you get the best of both worlds. Just actually roll the dice and then say, hang on, that was just to represent what I'm actually doing on my phone. So you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> that, that's a pretty good route, unless the physical <laughs> dice are better than the digital dice. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> but that means you took both the time to add both of them up. That, that's very true, yeah. <laughs> I, I think when you get to a higher level, the world itself becomes much more involved and overwhelming. And it's all about, you can do so much more. How do you handle that? I mean, a, a lot of times when you're playing a, a high-level campaign, you've gotten to a point in the story where it's kind of railroady. It's kind of, I have to go here and do this and accomplish it, and I'm done. Right. Especially in a one-shot. In an open sandbox campaign or sandbox style with that illusion of choice and as a 20th level character i literally can do anything in this world so if i as a gm am letting my players go crazy i have to be able to react to everything they say if a player all of a sudden randomly says you know what 
screw this. I'm teleporting to this dragon's castle. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. I had none of that planned, but okay, let's go. <laughs> right, with exactly. It. So, so as a GM, do you say it fails, or do you say, okay, let's stop the game for twenty minutes while I draw a map and stat that character, or look through the monster manual, or do you just scramble and make it up on the spot? I mean, there's a lot that you can do. If you're jumping into a world like that, to a game like that, you have to have a level of trust with your players. And you have to have a level of understanding. If you haven't gamed together for years, you're not going to know what to expect. You're not going to know how to anticipate. You're not going to know how to read the table. I would never do that at a convention. I would never sit down with five strangers and say, all right, guys, 20th level, open world. What do you want to (laughs) do? I would I would lose my yeah. mind. I would just lose my mind. <laughs> well, especially if it's not something that you've made up and you don't know all of the lore of a world and you do something in like Forgotten Realms, for example, and they're like, I want to go here. And you're like, I know nothing but the Sword Coast. Exactly. Why are you telling me to go there? Because I, I literally know nothing. Right. And a lot of times if you are an experienced player and you are playing a high level campaign, this is a game you know a lot about. You've read the books. You've played for years. You have that meta-level knowledge in your head about spells and monsters and the map and the world. If the DM can't keep up with you as a player, you're going to have a horrible time. A player as a high-level campaign is just going to probably most of the time be rattling off, well, that's a that's a ninth-level spell and the DC is X and, and I should be rolling this. And if you can't keep up with each other, it's going to be a bad game. So if you're at that point, you should have gotten to that point together is, is the most important thing to take away, I think, from this tangent that we're on here. <laughs> you know, we, we've kind of shown that already in just different play styles that we have different DMing styles. But one of the pros for a high level campaign is especially for power gamers and min maxers and people that just want to do really cool things and roll a lot of dice and do a lot of damage, fight really awesome, powerful monsters experienced players a high-level campaign can just be so exciting and so fun to just be like all right being able to start your character creation at level 20 or whatever it is and be able to really just think of all that stuff and put it all on some paper from the beginning like that could be a really great thing for a an experienced dm same thing oh i can use these sweet monsters i can use these sweet encounters and it's going to be such an awesome campaign For a new player or a new DM, this would be, I think, one of the worst things in the world to do. I would say, as a new player, don't ever start uh, a level 20. Even if you are in a group of very experienced players speaking out right now to the listeners that are part of groups like that, if somebody new wants to play and you guys are so used to playing level 20 campaigns, epic level campaigns, try a low level just to start them out. Even if you started out just a couple nights and do that. Don't throw somebody into an epic level campaign. I think that would scare many people away, to be honest. I think it, I know it would have scared me away if I was expected to play a level 20 campaign right off the beginning because I know what would have happened would have been whoever was sitting next to me would have been telling me every single thing I could do when I would have been like, all right, I kind of want to learn from myself, but this is really confusing. Yeah. yeah. Speaking from real life experience, teaching a brand new player how to build a PC even at 12th or 13th level. Even at first level. Yeah. 
when they don't understand what they're getting into, how amazing the role playing aspect in the game will be. Mm-hmm. Even at first level, it takes it takes a good hour, I would say, at the very least. Yeah. yeah. One of the best things about fifth edition is that a first level character is super easy. It's really easy to teach new players the rules. It's really easy to let them learn how to role play as their character develops. If you're trying to teach a brand new or uh, someone who only has a couple sessions under their belt, jumping up to double digits characters, going all the way to epic level characters, you've bitten off so much more than you can chew. Uh, you're going to spend an entire day just teaching them how to put this character together, let alone how all the spells work and the feats and how their character functions. I don't even think there's many people who, to be honest, would sit through that and continue and be part of a game. I, I know for me, if that was my first experience to D&D or any kind of role-playing game was, oh, it takes 12 hours to make a character, I'd be like, thanks, I'm not going to play this. <laughs> I'd rather go play something yeah, else. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is it is not the best way to introduce a new player to the game by throwing all of the books at them and saying, good luck. <laughs> well, I would, I would almost say if you're, if you're thinking about getting into it or, you know, you, you are a DM who is wanting to help somebody get into it. I know when I went through the fifth edition starter set, that did a really good job of explaining a lot of the rules. I mean, there's points in time where it's like, okay, you're going to level up. Here's how you as a DM can help your players level up. And it does it all right for you right there. And so that, I mean, anything like that that you can get your hands on is a great way as a DM to learn at lower levels before you get into those, you know, really super high up there levels that would be kind of intimidating. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's start talking about, we've talked about where to start your campaign, at what level do you start your PCs at, and the pros and cons. I think it's great that, Caleb, you're here because you're you're coming from a very different perspective than I am as a as the type of player you are, and hence that falls at the DM, and I like that. We need different opinions. Chris and me, I think sometimes we t- far too often fall into the same mentality. So once again, thank you for being here and and sharing your wisdom wisdom right (laughs) (laughs) you have a high wisdom modifier (laughs) Um, no i don't (laughs) Uh, i have a high charisma and i'm lying (laughs) it's all bluff bluff baby (laughs) it's all bluff bluff checks uh, all right. So, well, apparently I don't have a good sense motive then. So uh, let's talk about <laughs> which, which is wisdom. <laughs> We're such nerds. Uh, so let's talk about we've moved past that aspect of leveling up. Let's talk about your overall campaign. People level up their PCs in their campaign at different rates. I've often heard from different players. Uh, this I, I don't like that this DM levels me up so slow. I don't like that this DM levels me up so fast. Most of the players that I interact with is, I don't like that this DM levels me up so slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's often directed towards me. Uh, <laughs> so how fast or slow should you level up your characters? The standard progression for leveling up, according to some of the research I did, was 13 encounters equals a, you would level up once. Is this too fast? Is this too slow? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, if you are talking about a, a balanced combat encounter, an easy combat encounter, an overly difficult combat encounter, what about dungeons? What about solving puzzles? What about uh, socially encountering an NPC and negotiating stuff? Yeah, that's very true. If you put the characters through a dungeon, 
Do you look at each room of the dungeon as an encounter? Is the entire dungeon at one encounter? If we're looking at this purely numerically, there's a lot you have to look at and define. If if we're talking about 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, I, I feel like 13 encounters, however you define them, is too long. Yeah, I would agree with that. Looking at the experience that you need for each level to go up, that, that seems like a lot. I don't even know if that's even feasible at level 1 to do 13. Well, here's the thing, though. Remember that in 5th edition, levels 1 and 2 are technically considered apprentice levels. According to most suggestions, you right. should blow through those in one or two introductory gaming sessions. The game kind of starts at level 3, and that's where this whole XP thing starts kicking in. That's where a lot of classes start really defining what you're going to do with each class. Yeah, that's when you can do stuff right. as, a, as a class. That's when you pick your your path or your archetype in most cases. I, I agree with both of you completely. I, I, I think if I had to give a yes or no answer, even as I've been accused of slow leveling up progress in story... With good reason. I think, <laughs> I think that 13 encounters is pretty crazy. Now, you start getting into higher level, and depending on what you're fighting at higher level, like, and depending on, like you said, Caleb, what are you considering encounters and what encounters are they that as you go higher up in level that might become in my opinion more of a normal thing but at first level yeah i mean i'm gonna usually we're gonna fight a couple small encounters and then there's gonna be some boss battle probably and that's gonna kick you right into the next level and that's usually how i think the story goes in general for for me as dming but i i would agree it it definitely depends but i think 13 seems a little high Unless you're considering an encounter really anytime you're picking up the dice, if there's a challenge between players and, and the world, anytime they are doing something to overcome the world around them, that is an encounter that would grant them experience. Let's be honest. Dungeons & Dragons is a wonderful game. It has its flaws, and it is an arbitrary set of rules to facilitate playing pretend. Oh, yeah. The concept of experience points is one of the most difficult parts of the game to resolve properly. It's always been. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I don't want to say always. Uh, in, in very early versions of AD&D and, and the early heydays, XP was totally different, and different rule sets have handled it better and worse than others. I mean, it, it's a very video game concept. Uh, that whole running counter that rewards how good you do at a certain thing is a huge step of disconnect when we're looking at a game that encourages role-playing and creativity. Back in the 3.5 day, the general assumption was eight balanced encounters should earn you enough experience points to gain a level. And if now saying it's more like 13 balanced encounters or 13 encounters of some sort, I mean, the game is shifting a little bit, but I know that 5th edition has a much lower XP build from level 1 to 20 than previous editions. I think I looked at it when the Player's Handbook first came out, and it was like half the XP to get from 1 to 20 in 5th edition than 3.5. You know, it, there was a huge disconnect. It wasn't like, oh, well, 5th edition needs a million points, but 
3.5 needed a million too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, they were not close numbers by any sense of the word. With fast and slow progression, like why is that an important aspect for us to consider as DMs? Why should we care how fast or slow we progress our campaigns? Does it affect our campaigns? I think the answer is obviously yes, but how does it end up changing our campaigns, whether if we choose accidentally or on purpose a leveling up progression that's too fast or too slow? I think for too fast, and this is true of anything that you try to do, like I remember when I was little, trying to skateboard down a hill. The faster you go, the more out of control everything around you seems to get. You just just lose. I remember because I scraped my whole body up going down this hill. So I remember this analogy very vividly. (laughs) It hurt really bad. (laughs) So, I mean, and, and, and it can too. I mean, when you're doing... Dungeons and Dragons or whatever it is that you're being a GM for, things can get away from you pretty quickly if if you aren't carefully watching them. It, you know, if you have a story, if you're if you're trying to if you're thinking that your campaign is going to go longer and you start leveling your characters up really fast as a part of your group, you're going to get to the end of your campaign a lot faster because you're going to have to. You know, if you were thinking this is going to take a year and you're already getting them to level 14 where it's going to end. You haven't told a quarter of the story yet. Right. Yeah, you're going to you're going to run out of things to do for your characters. Yeah. So I think it it can get away from you. Give yourself a little room to breathe in determining how fast you want to level up your characters in your campaign. That being said, there can absolutely be a you're leveling up your players' characters way too slow. And what's going to be the first indication that that's actually happening? It's the player saying, I'm leveling up way too slow. (laughs) I can't wait to get to level eight. (laughs) Player riots, players complaining that this is way too slow. Losing interest because you as a DM are not giving them something to... Hopefully the story is interesting them and they're loving the story. But it is a game in which you do get XP and you do level up and your characters do become cooler and do more things. And so... There reaches a point that I think almost every player is going to be like, I really want to level up now. Like, if we don't level up, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, it's driving me crazy. I can't take it. Especially if you keep like the same orcs at the same level all the time and you never change them. It's a different story if you're leveling up and, you know, we do what we talked about earlier and taking some creative liberty and changing some of the stats. That could make it a little bit different if you're leveling up. But if you're going strictly by the rules, People will get disinterested by fighting the same orcs over and over and over and over again. Well, yeah, experience is the carrot at the end of the stick here for your players. When you hand a player the player's handbook and that player reads the benefits at levels 1 through 20, that's the encouragement to keep playing. The player wants to get to those higher levels. We want to be able to do cooler things and get that new class ability, that new spell, that new feat. If you are not letting the player get there, you've taken away the reward for playing the game. What's the point of role-playing this session? What's the point of winning this combat if I don't get that tangible plus 30 XP? (laughs) Or, Or now you're level two kind of thing. And I think the video game mentality has a big impact on this decision because as video gamers playing role-playing games, I mean, we all grew up playing Final Fantasy and that kind of thing where you just saw the XP total just crank up and up and up every single time. Right. Every day you'd level up a bunch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, 
if we want to go back to video games, you would spend hours grinding in a forest just to level up to, you know, level 80 or 90 just to get enough GP to do something, you know? Yeah. In a role-playing game, there's less of a sense of, of being able to do that. You have to do something to really earn that experience. But we all have it in our heads. We know we're playing a game, and we know we're supposed to get better as we move forward. Now, as an interesting philosophical question here, if a player never knew how the class progression happened, they wouldn't care about XP. If you just said, here's your character sheet. You do this to hit, you do this to look for things, you do this to talk to people, and then all of a sudden you say, hey guy, you got better. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to know what they did to get better, and they're not going to have a handbook that says you should be getting better. Right. The concept of XP really dynamically altered the perception of players when they're at the table, and it changed their expectations for the game. Now, all that being said... If you have the right game, the right players, and the right storyteller behind the DM screen, they might not care about XP. Right. They might be loving the game and the story so much that that is the motivation to continue to play. I mean, if Michael were here at the table with us, he would be vehemently arguing with me <laughs> because he he lives for the role-playing, and he would happily play a level 1 or a level 0 for years if the story was good enough. And if anyone goes back to the RPG Academy archives and listens to one of the first actual plays we did, the Made Men campaign. Oh yeah, I loved it. Great stuff. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. But here's the thing. It's a great story, right? Yes. It's a great story. Those guys leveled up like maybe once in the entire game, <laughs> in the entire campaign. Maybe twice. I don't know. I, but Michael is the kind of GM that he doesn't hand out XP at the end of the night. He says you've leveled up when the story says you're going to level up. And when I say you're going to level up as as the god of this table here, he, he loves the story. He will happily play without ever leveling up if the story allows it because he thinks he can get a, a better story that way because you're just telling the story. You're not caring about the numbers on your sheet. And I don't disagree with him. I think in the right context, absolutely. I don't run my games that way. And I don't have as much fun that way. But we're all different. We're all at the table. We can all have our own opinions and, and likes and dislikes. So no judgment on anybody, but I'm absolutely right. And he's totally wrong. <laughs> uh, see, I don't know about that. I fall more into his camp. <laughs> and the scary thing about this is that I can edit you out anyway well no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but no no i i agree that and i think that's a huge uh, the reason there's disagreement is one of the biggest points that i would say is that as a dm know your players and know like if you have a whole group of players that all of them would agree with michael and they're just like we don't care we don't care. Well, that's easy as a DM to go, okay, then I don't need to care. Right. If we, if you have a whole table full, of like uh, Caleb, if we had hashtag Magic Mark, one of our players with us here at the table, he would be like, yes, another MinMaxer, I love you. You're my favorite. Because he is absolutely that. And like, if, I, if you're DMing a whole group of people who are war gamers and have that, like, I really want to level up and, oh, I create an Excel sheet with my character because I want to know where he's going and be able to work all that out and know everything that they can do as a DM. Know that if you have a mix, 
then know that too and find that balance of leveling people up. And you don't want one person to be sitting at the table brooding over the fact that you haven't leveled up for like weeks and have one player just going, this is awesome, This is, and all you hear is the praise. At the same time, you don't want another player going, oh, it's so awesome leveling up every single night or twice a night or whatever, and have the other player be like, this is way too fast for me. Because I, I would fall, I remember a campaign I played in where we would level up uh, every single night, we would get crazy amounts of gold. And I remember some of the players were like, this is amazing. And I was just like, I don't like being handed everything on a silver platter. I want to work for it. I want to like be able to mess around with each level and try it out. And I don't like, it's getting too fast for me. And so know your players, know where they're at and find that balance. And if you have a group of players that are all the same and they're all going to want, well, as a DM, even if you don't fall into that camp, realize that if you don't have some kind of compromise with your players on leveling up, you're going to lose all of your players, whether it's they actually stop coming or you're losing them because they're not paying attention to your story anymore because they're just not as interested in what's going on. Yeah, Mitch, that's that's the best way to sum it up. I mean, th- there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it as long as everyone at the table is of the same mindset. Yeah. What's what's the slogan for your guys' podcast? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That's it, right? Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone at the table has to be 100% in agreement because it's never going to happen. No, it's not. But you need to find that happy medium. And and you need to say, look, guys, you on, on my left side, you might care more about story. You on my right side might care more about XP. Let's find that compromise and let's enjoy the time we have together to hang out and play this game. And that's what's the most important part. And the greatest group of D&D players will be the whole entire group that Everyone gets that, and everyone knows that, and they're all able to go, we're all different here, and let's play a game that we can all have fun at. <laughs> That's we've, yep. We talked about that on our Players episode with Rich Howard. Like, understanding that, caring for each other, and understanding, hey, we're all friends. Let's all care about each other and ha- that we're all having a good time. And it's it's in your own interest as well, because as soon as somebody starts having a terrible time, it will be made known whether they actually verbally say it or not. And we talked about that, too, how it can bad attitude can spread and all of a sudden nobody's having fun. So make sure to have that, as especially as a DM. I know it all the time. It falls on your shoulders to be the one who is, you know, even if. Your players don't show it when it comes down to the point where you'd like them to show it. A lot of times it's like, well, it's, you're the DM. You, you're you in charge of this. Fix it. Well, as a DM, just, just care about all your players and try and make it a fun experience for all of them with leveling up as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with you. All right. So uh, we talked about a fast slow progression finding that medium finding that balance let's talk a little bit about just where where do you it kind of goes off of this but where do you end a campaign at what level as a dm do you end a campaign is there a level that you go in thinking i would like to end it at this level what are your guys thoughts on that i think for me like i said earlier i i think of what is the end of my campaign campaign going to be first and so usually that's like okay what bad guy do I want my characters to fight at the end? What do I want my last battle to be? And that's usually where I base my ending level at. I agree. That's a good way to plan out the campaign, uh, having a destination in mind, a certain end goal. I think you obviously need to be aware that the players could take your campaign in a very different direction. Oh, yeah, totally can. can. evolve. And that's how it will oh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the second you make a plan that, all right, 
we're going to get to this point and fight this bad guy. That's the time when the players are like, hey, what happens if we teleport to the astral dimension? <laughs> Squirrel. Really, guys? <laughs> really? But yeah, I agree. Have, having an endpoint in mind is a good way to plan it out. To be pretty honest, I have not thought about the ending of a campaign for a really long time. Part of it is because in my gaming groups, we just don't have the time to play a long-running campaign anymore. So sitting down and investing all those hours doesn't pay off because things get scrapped, people don't show up, life just happens, and you can't get to it. In a lot of my campaigns, I have been running absolutely through improv, and I have not been making any plans other than reacting to what happens at the table. But when it still comes to, quote, ending a campaign, I think that depends on the story. I think that depends on what your players are doing. If there's a natural resolution to the story after second level, that's where the story ends. And maybe you come up with a new story or the characters continue on to something else. The book basically says at level 20, you stop learning things. Right. That doesn't mean the game ends at that point. 3.5 gave us the epic level handbook where you could keep learning things beyond 20th level. But 3.5 was a very numbers-based crunchy game where you needed that progression. Fourth edition took us to level 30 and then stopped. Period. You won D&D. <laughs> make a new character. Right. Well, because at level 30, it flat out said in the book... You're now so epic, you can't do anything <laughs> right. anymore. You're a god. You end up in the ethos. You, you're a wizard in a tower. You ascend to the heavens. You've won D&D. &D. Start over. <laughs> and, and I'm not putting down 4th edition at all because I really do like 4th edition, but there's a definite endpoint to D&D &D in 4th edition. In 5th edition, we don't have any of those rule sets yet. They might exist. They might not. Who knows? Ultimately, I envision my campaigns going from level one to level 20, and then we see what happens. Sure. But I don't think there's ever a point where you can say this is the right number to end a campaign at. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever go into a campaign going this level. And part of that is maybe maybe you can think, well, I'd like to end it around this level. But realize that if you try and end it at a specific point, like Caleb was saying, I feel like that really puts you and your story into a box. And so you want to really keep an open mind about that. I think, Chris, you made some points with, like, Final Boss Encounter. Like, where do you see yourself going in this campaign? And that can kind of dictate where you see the level getting to a certain point. But leaving it open in that sense... So you can really work with your story. And honestly, I think what we talked about before, that progression in leveling up is much more important because you want to be able to tell your story and get to it at, a, at that right point. Yeah. While at the same time, of course, realizing everything else we said about making your players happy and giving them that balance of how fast or slow you do it. I mean, for me, I think where do you end your campaign? I'd say where it makes sense in your story for one. And I would also say where you as a DM feel comfortable. I think that certain DMs uh, are going to, like Caleb, you just said you want to go high up into a high level. You want to have your players be able to reach that. I think some 
DMs might not feel comfortable with the balance issues we talked about. It may just not be their forte. They may not know the rules enough. And like you said, maybe that's why 5th edition is great for them because it's a little bit better on those sides of things. And so we don't we don't talk too much about the specifics of edition, but there is something we said about edition and how high you get and the balance in that. Where you feel comfortable as a DM, I think, is a, a, a good point to end it. That being said, I also want to say don't be afraid to push your limits and try things out and go higher in level and try if you are afraid of what your players can do at higher levels and epic level campaigns. Well, maybe you just need to say, hey, guys, I'd love to let you guys try this out. Just understand I'm a little wary of what's going to happen as a DM and just go easy on me. Let me let me try this out so that we can do this possibly more so. Yeah, it's also really important to listen to your players. If you overhear them as players saying, oh man, I really hope one day we can fight a dragon. Or, oh, I just read this awesome supplement about this crazy new dungeon. And you hear them saying, it would be cool if X happened. That right there can give you insight about what you need to do to get to a certain level, to incorporate something into your game. I mean, this is Dungeons and Dragons. Any role playing game really is about cooperative storytelling. It's about everyone getting together and doing something socially. And if your players are saying, we want to do this, why wouldn't you go along with it? I mean, unless as a DM, you were very uncomfortable doing it. You didn't know how to do it. You didn't have the supplement. You just felt completely out of your depth at running or handling this. But then be honest. Yeah. I mean, you were saying, Mitch, have that conversation. You're behind the DM screen, but you're you're still at the table. And players need to care for their DMs. DMs need to care for their players. And I think that if that happens, that you have a bunch of players that want to play at that high level and you don't feel comfortable with it, and maybe you've even tried it and you know, you know, this is just not for me, then just just tell them that and be like, guys, I am not stopping you from doing this, but maybe one of you guys needs to step up and DM and do that level 20 campaign, and I will gladly play with you guys and have fun. But for me, that's not my thing. Like we said earlier on, every DM is going to be different. Everyone's going to feel comfortable doing different things. To some DMs, it's just going to be, let's roll with everything. I'll, I'll go high level, I'll go low level. Maybe that's not the case for everybody. Going along with where you end with levels, leveling up fast or slow, I think there's something that for me is a big topic of discussion that I think DMs need to think about when they are running a campaign. When you play with XP and leveling up, do you have your players share their XP with everyone who is in the encounters, everyone who is there for the night? Or do you just have your players share the XP no matter who's in the encounter, who's there for the night? Do all of your player characters have level equality? They all, going through the entire story, will always share the same XP? Or is it different? If certain players are not in a battle, do they not get that XP? I think that's a a big question that needs to be answered by you, the DM, running the game. And that will change the way that your game works. So player character level equality, yes or no? What are what do you guys think? I know what my answer is. My answer is eh, I don't know. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> because on one sense, if everyone is the same level, it's really easy to do the math to create a balanced encounter. That being said, in more modern editions of Dungeons and Dragons, the entire concept of the CR or challenge rating of an, a combat encounter 
has been drastically simplified. And it's boiled down to you come up with the XP worth of your party in any given moment. And you pull from that pool of XP to plug in monsters and traps. What that means is even if you have uh, one person at 6th level, two people at 3rd level, and a person at 1st level, for whatever insane reason your party developed that way, (laughs) I still generate a sum of XP. Let's say that arbitrary number is 500. If I pick monsters that add up to 500 points of XP, it should be a balanced encounter. That being said, with that crazy stupid example i just made up (laughs) there's no way to balance that encounter so that's a really horrible example in older editions of dungeons and dragons the math was bonkers insane to figure out how to build an appropriately balanced encounter and if you were not all the same level i don't know I, i still don't know i can't tell you how to do that at this point in my gaming career because it made no mathematical <laughs> logical sense so you wanted to keep everyone the same level just for the just sake for of sanity sanity yeah, sanity yeah yeah because you're like well wait if you missed a game that means these guys now have a thousand more xp than you so that means i i can put it a, a monster of a higher effective level but not a, a higher hit dice rating and then and then your mind just explodes and the game <laughs> no more dm everybody disperses dead. it's done it's over with right i can vividly remember back in my college days the dm laying out specific rules all right guys i'm gonna give you one he called it an encounter bubble <laughs> that if you missed a game we would consider you in the bubble meaning you would still get xp but you weren't there you'd get one of those a game If you weren't there, then you would be out of the bubble, so you couldn't participate, you wouldn't get XP, unless you felt like handing your character over to him and he would give you reduced XP, or you had someone else play your character, and then that player was trying to balance out role-playing two different people at the same time. Well, if they accidentally kill it for some reason. (laughs) Or on purpose. Or on purpose, (laughs) whatever the reason. Which I can neither confirm nor deny participating in. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) If you want to listen to it, it an episode just... on problem players, go back to episode five. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, that kind of stuff, I think, just takes away from the fun at the table. We we want to have as much fun as we can playing this game. And if you get so obsessed with the minutia of, okay, well, you're not here, so I can't add these 1,000 arbitrary points to your character sheet, and everyone else does get it, I mean, that's unfair. I mean, that's no one's having fun because you're taking away from the game to say let's deal with these dumb little numbers i just don't care anymore i just don't care anymore (laughs) so no answer from from caleb then (laughs) (laughs) i mean in a game i'm running for the show that's kind of on hiatus right now someone missed the first session so he's behind a level i just deal with it in another game i'm running for my friends at home i'm keeping everyone the same level because it's easier but again i just don't care I want to have fun. And I think that that not sharing um, idea, not everybody not being at the same point is, I think, the way that we're supposed to, at least that was the way it's always been explained, like the standard way that I've understood it as. Yeah, I think for me, I like the idea of having shared XP because it it keeps the balance in my mind. Everybody's at the same level. And I, I like the idea of 
trying to prevent as many out of game issues as possible because that could become a point of contention where it's like, oh, he always gets to do the cool stuff. And whether you're missed or whatever the reason was that you didn't get it, it's like, then you have, I mean, you could potentially have people who are like, well, I want to go out and do my own encounter so that I can level up faster than everybody else. You know, so you, I mean, you could run into some of those issues. And I just, in my mind, probably being the newest DM out of everybody, I'm just like, I'm just going to keep it simple for the time being. I could see myself doing it someday where, yeah, maybe I do not shared XP and things get a little crazy and it's fun for everybody. But for the time being, I would just say I like to keep it simple. Chris, in your time DMing, you've you've done it just that way, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of the way yep. our group had been doing it for a while. Uh, you have also played in campaigns where that hasn't been the case i used to not have it be player character level of quality but well you used to also hand out xp at the end of the night too yeah i used to to do some things differently and all of it has just been me growing as a dm and refining my style but for me i would say pc level of quality pc xp equality for me the answer is absolutely yes both you guys made great points and there are cons to it i remember my when i was first going through this process and thinking about doing this and the first night i brought it up at the table and i said guys we're going to do this and i remember a couple of the players being really upset about it not being happy Thankfully, now we're at the point where all of the players say, yes, that's the way. I, I won them over in a sense. And those players who did argue with it were the higher level characters. And we didn't change anything during that campaign and say, all right, we're switching back. Because I had a DM one time. He didn't do that. And I remember my character was at level 14 and some of the other characters were at level 10. And there was all these jumble. And he just reached the point where he couldn't handle the the unbalance of the campaign, he said, all right, we're going to all go back to level 10. And a couple of us who were higher level were like, dude, we, we love you, and we realized the struggle, but this was something that we said might become a problem, and we're not willing to do all that work, and we don't want to have our characters go back to that level. That campaign unfortunately ended because of that, because he just couldn't handle the balance, and we just were like, ah, that doesn't, doesn't sound right, and whether, whatever. But the balance for me is something as a DM that I enjoy. It's still at higher levels can get unbalanced because of certain ways that players build their PCs, and some people put more effort and know how to get those better builds. And so that's just one way to do that. That being said, we mentioned, like, what if somebody doesn't come to the table? And that can be an issue. With people being in attendance, you're earning your XP. You're there for it. And if somebody's not showing up and getting the same amount of XP and everything, well, that can be frustrating. It's like, well, they're not showing commitment. That being said, what if somebody doesn't show up because they had a family member die or there was an emergency and they couldn't show up? Then, like telling them, ah, sorry, you're a level behind, to me is kind of like, I don't like to do that as the DM. And so for me, that's a whole separate issue that we've had to discuss many times and just say when we're starting a campaign, is everybody committed? If you're not committed, that's going to be a problem, and we will we will start talking about that. And at some point, it's going to be like, sorry, you're not committed enough. And we've talked about how there's one person in your campaign, Chris, who has shown up for one night. And technically, I guess he's at the same level as us. But if he showed up again, we'd all be like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> like, And so with attendance, having it not be equal is means that attendance is crucial. And that can be a really good thing or a really bad thing, depending on what circumstance you're talking about. 
I think the end result of this is it's all going to be based on the circumstance and the situation of your gaming group. Yes. If you guys collectively agree to the method, it's the right method for you. Every book, if you read it, is going to tell you something different. Every person you ask for advice is going to tell you something different. But that advice and those rules are all based on people doing things themselves. A Dungeons & Dragons book is not one guy in the corner writing furiously for a year and then printing it. It's a whole bunch of people playing the game and collectively putting their opinions on paper and, and saying, in our experience, in our years of doing this, this is what works. But if what works in your house, in your basement, in your backyard is different, do that thing because it works. Be successful. What works for your group is the course that you should take. It all goes back to knowing your players and caring for your players and wanting to give them as the DM the best experience that they will have. So if they if they want one of those options, maybe you've only played one way and you haven't even ever given them the other option and just have a discussion about it and talk about the pros, the cons, the different ways and see what they think and go with that. If you want to be diplomatic, I guess you could put it to a vote. Honestly, I think I would shy away from votes. I would just keep on discussing until we reach a consensus as a group. But yeah, um, discuss it with your players and do what's best for your group. Like you said, that I think is the main point. There's other you know issues that we could talk about, such as crafting. If you That's a definite con to sharing XP. If you share XP, then crafting becomes a whole weird thing. And I've had to do that with my players and go, okay, uh, this is what we're going to do. And it's been interesting. But crafting with not shared XP definitely is so simple. Another pro of it is of sharing XP is that you as the DM can know that everybody where everybody is as XP and just everybody has the set number and everybody can ask, hey, what XP are we at again? And you just give, hey, we're at this XP. There you go. The last thing we want to talk about when it comes to leveling up, how to level up your PCs is the gift of experience, the gift of experience points. When do you hand out experience points? We've talked about this a little, but let's just uh, run down a little bit of different points that you can do this at. When do you hand out experience points? I think the first time that you can give out experience points is just after every encounter. As soon as you have an encounter, and once again, Caleb brought it up before, but what is an encounter? And so you have to determine, is that role-playing, is that battles and everything? But every time you have an encounter, you calculate the amount of experience, you divide it up, and you say, hey, that encounter gave you this much. This, I think, is one of the most obvious forms of when do you give out experience. A huge pro of this would just be that you're right there in the moment, you do it, I think it's satisfying for the players to be like, I just did that and I got that XP, and you get out of the way. You don't need to take notes and remember what you did. You do it right then and there. That's definitely the video game mentality. When you're on the windscreen, you see your XP crank up. Or you kill something and you see the plus 34 XP or whatever over its head, yeah. And so if you're playing with players like that, that are that video game mentality and big video game players, maybe that's the way you want to go. Maybe that helps them out, you know? Maybe you give them a little, like, XP bar that they're able to, like, move a little. (laughs) They're just like, yeah! your own little prop. That's also a way to help teach players how to play the game and how to role play. 
a lot of times I, I have found that the biggest obstacle beyond learning the rules and what all the numbers mean is that a new player just doesn't know how to interact with the world. A new player doesn't know when to make skill checks, when to talk in character and role play and interaction with an NPC. If as the DM, you're, you're physically saying, hey, you did a thing that got a reward. I've now taught that person, oh, well, this action got a reward in game. So that's something I should keep doing in the game. So that's a good tool that you can exploit for brand new players. Yeah, that way can be easier for you as the DM, but it can also, I know for me, be more difficult. When I'm DMing at the table, I want to focus completely on story. I don't want to have to be thinking about XP and adding that all up, especially after every single encounter. I think if you take the time to, after every single encounter, give out XP and calculate it all, it also kind of breaks that fourth wall for the players. They were really invested in the story, really focused on the story and what their characters are thinking. And all of a sudden you're taking time to say, stop. Okay, remember, this is just a game. We're playing this game. Uh, let's pull you out of this game and give you this thing called experience. And for me, I'd rather just stick with the game, stick with the story right after the encounter. Just continue on with that story. You're not giving them that instant gratification, which can be a pro, but honestly, it could also be a con. If every encounter ends with you giving out XP, well, during that encounter, all the players might be adding up, oh, what's this guy's XP going to be? What's this guy? How far are we going to get along in getting to our next level? I think it's good for players to wait for their XP. And what I like to do as the DM is I like to hand out XP after the session. So this could be happening during the same night. You could wait until after everybody's done and before everybody leaves, go, all right, guys, let me add up the XP and all the players leave with the right amount of XP from the table. The way that we do it is we have a Facebook group that we have updates and we have events of what nights we're playing. And on that Facebook group, me and Chris, we will put Here's the amount of XP you got from last session. Come to the table leveled up with your character for the next session. So that works really well for us. That way, during the night when we're playing the actual game, we get to focus on the actual game. We get to focus on the story, and nobody's really thinking, oh, what, what is the XP that we're earning? Because they know I'm not going to be handing that out during the night. Chris, you do the same thing. You're not going to be handing it out during the night. Nobody's thinking about that. Another pro for me of handing out XP after the session is it allows me as the DM to really think about how much XP should I give them. I know at least in the 3.5 DMG, we talked about a little bit challenge ratings, and challenge ratings have always been a little bit argued with from dungeon masters because they're not, they don't always make sense. Some creatures have a challenge rating, and you're like, why does this thing have this challenge rating, and why does this thing have this challenge rating? The DMG itself will honestly say, if you think that a battle was super, super easy for your players, or if it was way harder than this challenge rating made it out to be, then give them experience accordingly. So I think that's a good way that you can redefine that and rethink it before handing out the actual experience. That's how we used to do it. After the entire session, whether it was a couple hours or a big marathon, the DM would say, all right, guys, give me a couple minutes here to crunch this all out. And then he would go back to his notes and spend five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour figuring out how much XP was actually generated by what we did. In older systems, the XP you got was based sometimes on your level versus the level of the monster, uh, the challenge of the encounter. 
And when I was first learning to run games, I did it the exact same way. Uh, I had a sheet in the back of my campaign notebook, and it was, okay, here's who we fought this session. Here's their level. Here's the player's level. And I'd have, you know, a couple algebraic expl- uh, equations running to figure out, oh, okay, he got 100 XP, and then this was 1,000 XP, but then he subtracted this XP. And, and sometimes uh, if it wasn't a long session or a long game or we just had time because we were hanging out, the DM would say, all right, guys, uh, everyone gets X tonight, which was cool because we could see that reward immediately at the end of the night. The benefit of doing it that way on top of the reward is also if a character levels up, you know right away and you've got time in between then and the next session to actually level up your character. I know if we're all honest with each other, we all don't do it until right before <laughs> well, we get there. You might not. Well, you know, at least I don't do it until right before I get there. Do it, but there are some players who go home and right away they start leveling up their characters. Or if you're like hashtag magic mark, you already have it done because you have an Excel yeah. sheet going all the way up to level 20 with your character planned out. But get-go. also consider older editions, it was a lot more work to level up a, your PC, and sometimes you need to go through three or four different source books to get all the bits and pieces you need just to go up a level, or to craft that new item, or pick a new feed or something. So you can't, you could not always do it on, on the drive over. Uh, in modern editions, where it's much more streamlined and simple, yeah, you can sit down and level up in two minutes most of the time. Yeah, it's it's not real hard to do. Right. Um, And, of course, that all depends on your group. I mean, we've been saying the same thing all night. It it all depends on what you're doing at the table. If it's easier to do one way or the other, if you expect one thing or the other. Sometimes people want to sit down and jump right into the game. Sometimes people want to sit down and hang out and get set up and eat some pizza. And that's a great time to level up and ask questions. I mean, if you're a bunch of new players or you have a couple new players in your group, you don't want to tell them to level up on their own because they'll probably do it wrong or they might just not understand it and miss something that's really important to their character. So you want them to level up when they're at the table with you. So you don't mind wasting 20 minutes at the start of a session to explain everything you have to and get all those numbers in the right place. There's no dedicated way to do it. There's no right or wrong. It all just depends on your group. So the last way that we want to talk about handing out XP is something that may be a little radical. We're talking about throwing out XP all together. <laughs> now, some of you might hear this and be like, what? Like, I that scares me. We need XP. How do you <laughs> level up if there's no XP? Well, we're not talking about throwing out leveling up altogether. We're just talking about leveling up without the burden, you might say, of experience points. In this form of leveling up, you as the dungeon master would determine at what point, at what time, after what encounter, your PCs level up. And so this might come into play in your PCs spend some time in town and you introduce an NPC who decides I'm going to train you for battle or for adventure. And so after a couple months of training, they level up. Or perhaps they reach another milestone where they defeat this big powerful boss and it's like, okay, you guys level up. Well done. Or they engage in a huge army battle and they level up. There can be all different story milestones that you as the dungeon master determine. All right, there you go. You've fulfilled that milestone. Now it's time for you to level up. 
An interesting factor in this is that you could do something along the lines of having a long story that maybe there's a break with your characters in the story where there's a years of peace or time that they settle down and perhaps they continue to train in their arts. And so maybe you have a not a real break in the real world, but a break in the campaign and you say, well, three years have passed, you level up three times. That would be an interesting factor of this system. Now, there are pros and there are cons to not using XP and just leveling up when you as the DM determine that's the right time. So let's talk about some of the pros and the cons of that. I think the biggest con is that you need to read the table a lot more. You need to pay attention to your players a lot more. If you are getting from them that this is happening too fast or too slow, then you need to adjust your thought process as as the guy or girl running the game at that point. I think sometimes rewarding players with a level up based on their role playing, based on what's happened in the story, that's totally fine. I mean, if we're not keeping that running chart of numbers, they have to earn it in some way. Now, you might, as as a slightly different variation of that, you might just say they level up when the story requires them to level up or when the story dictates that they need to level up. And that's certainly one way to do it. That is kind of the way things happen back in the Made Men campaign. I was not part of that campaign, so I'm, I'm not 100% uh, the expert on that. But uh, in talking with Michael about similar subjects for our show, uh, he has brought up that point a couple times. So that, that's a, a fair truth to assess. This also, another tool you can use here, is something we touched on a while back in this conversation, that a set number of encounters should even out to the right amount of XP. Maybe you're counting what happens to generate that level. I'm not saying I need a thousand experience points, but after five encounters, you get a level. That's kind of what I'm doing for last time. I We didn't have a lot of fighting necessarily in our last meeting or our last campaign. And so for anybody that's listening to our can or listening right now from my campaign, you all get to level up for free. You're not, I didn't count out any of the XP or anything like that. You just get to level up for free because I'm doing it more of the, the story based. Yeah, I just threw it out for this last time, but normally I think I would stick to the other way. But I think if you're if you're trying to get somebody in from a video game mentality, I think XP might be the way to go just because that's what they've always used. But then if you want them to maybe focus a little bit more on story, you might just tell them we're not focusing on XP as much, we're moving it more to a story-based system like that. And so when they do when they do become really really focused in on the story, they don't seem to worry that much about XP at all. I think there's a couple more notable pros and cons for this way of doing XP. For one, I think obviously, like we said, the focus on the story rather than the focus on the XP is a definite pro for me. Now, this might actually end up doing the exact opposite of what you plan on doing, and you might have some players who are all they can focus on is the fact that they don't get XP, so all they're focused on is XP. I really hate that you don't hand out XP. I can't stand that, and that's all that they're thinking about. That could be a con. Another pro, though, for me is moving further away from that video game mentality that some players fall into and focusing more on what the game truly is that is a role-playing game. I also like the pro that, you know, I've had players before that they will go, to use a munchkin term, 
looking for trouble. They will go looking for trouble or looking to do battle with someone or something strictly based on the fact that they know that they would get XP from it. I've seen players break out of their character because they want that XP and go, I'll figure out a reason why my character would really want to do battle with this person or this thing when really they wouldn't normally as their character, but they want that XP boost. And so moving further away from that video game mentality of, ah, if I kill it, I get XP. The last big pro that I can personally think of as the DM is there's less math and I hate math. So that is a huge, huge pro in my case. But there are also a couple cons that I think we need to talk about too. Uh, One, the con is forgetfulness. As the DM, I know that I can be really forgetful. If the DM is forgetful and doesn't remember, oh, I haven't leveled them up in a long time. Oh, we just passed a milestone. Well, the player's can be cheated out of a level that's earned because the DM is forgetful on their part. Also, the DM could just be strictly a bad judge of when the players should level up. And the biggest con of this con that you could be a DM that has bad judgment is if you are a DM with bad judgment, you're probably not the best judge of whether or not you have good judgment or not. I can also see some DMs being abusive of this lack of system and just going, eh, I don't really want the players to level up at this point. Nah, not yet, not yet. And the players get cheated out of their rightful levels that they should be getting. And lastly, but certainly not least, a con of this lack of system would be The players grab their torches, they grab their pitchforks, and they start a player riot and possibly end up killing you as the DM in real life because they're just so upset at this lack of system. (laughs) Well, uh, another con to consider is mechanically some classes, some spells, some special abilities require the expenditure of XP to accomplish a certain thing. I was going to say for crafting weapons, you, you, you kind of need it for that, but you might at some right. point in time just say, you just do it. Like you just do it, and, and that's, how you, that's how you play. Right. So the question then is, how drastically are you altering game balance? I think if we can speak specifically of additions here, that's not going to happen as much in 5th edition. But if we were playing a Pathfinder game or a 3.5 D&D game, if you said there's no XP, you could just exploit that rule to no ends because so much of that you had to drop XP to do certain things. Now, I think the solution to that is if you were playing an addition or a game or a system where you need that XP as a resource to acquire a certain task, but you are deciding not to use XP in that common defined sense, you need to assign some other penalty or resource that the character needs to expend. If you're not using XP, but generally the rule says you have to spend XP to craft a potion, you have to tell the player, oh, sure, man, you can can make all the potions you want, but we have to soak that time in-game. I have to I have to watch you waste 10 days of game time. Are you going to delay the entire rest of the party 10 days? Are they going to ignore you for 10 days? Are we going to stop the adventure for 10 days? 
is there a time frame? Are we going to actually do something? What's the penalty? What's the consequence? So there's just more consideration. I'm of the opinion that going without XP is totally fine as long as, like Mitch said, you're paying attention to the game and you're doing an accurate judgment call, that you are comfortable with doing it, that you're confident with making the right call. Chris, you said you weren't 100% confident with that just because you're not at that point in your experience. So if you're at that point, if you feel you can make the right call, and if you're not drastically breaking the rules or you're comfortable making up a house rule to accommodate it, yeah, go for it. It might be something that with one of those things that you came up with, you might just have a conversation with your players and say, just have a little bit of leeway with me on this because if it's something that's broken, I don't want it to stay broken. I would like to fix it. And so I think just being able to have those conversations with your players will help a lot. Oh, yeah. When you're making a house brew, home brew, house rule kind of whatever, you have to be willing to say you were wrong and undo it at some point. Because there's never a house rule that is 100% awesome. There's always something that you're going to have to tweak or adjust and say, hey, guys, remember everything we did last week? I realize we totally broke the game, so I'm going to take away that bonus and give you this instead. I think a good point is made that in the effort to in getting rid of XP completely, you may be, as the DM, trying to move towards a more simple type of game, but it can be more difficult in the sense that you as the DM are now putting upon your shoulders trying to figure out the judgment of when you level them up and all that kind of thing. So you might be making it more difficult for yourself. You kind of, as the DM, have to decide if that's the better course or the more difficult course. But we here at the Dungeon Master Block do want to encourage you, you should maybe try it. Give it a shot. You may end up loving it and finding that that is the best way for you to DM by not having to deal with XP, but just leveling them up when it comes time. Well, that's all that we have to talk about as far as leveling up in a D&D campaign as far as the DM is concerned. Caleb, thank you so much again for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. This thank was you a blast. so much for bringing your wisdom modifier to the table today <laughs> and joining us for the hey. Dungeon Master's block. Oh, you're absolutely welcome, guys. Thank you for inviting me on here. Um I think one of the best things I have experienced in jumping into this world of podcasting is uh, meeting other podcasters and being able to team up cooperatively on things like that, uh, exactly like we did here tonight. It, it's a great way to to reach out to the audience, to help each other out, just to increase our collective opinions and wisdom and knowledge of the game. So thank you so much for letting me uh join you tonight and ramble uh michael never lets me talk that much so i i got to uh have a lot of fun tonight yeah i feel like there should be an arrested development moment in there like michael you should just write to michael and say hey you don't let me talk this much i think i'm gonna jump over and join the dmb from now on yeah if any of you audience members like the sound of my voice it's michael <laughs> care of the rpg academy <laughs> and title that Caleb Needs to Talk. Perfect. And thank you for that segue because if any of the listeners want to write to you an email or write to the RPG Academy, where can they reach you at to tell you about any thoughts that they've had of this episode about leveling up? 
The easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. I am at the Caleb G. If you want to email me, get a hold of me at Caleb at the RPGacademy.com. We do have our own forums on the website as well. You can swing on by there, sign up, and uh, make a post or reply to something we've talked about. Our show's Twitter is at the RPG Academy. We've kept it pretty simple. And if you want to yell at Michael for letting me out of the cage for the night, that's Michael <laughs> at the RPGacademy.com. And uh, we're on Facebook and Google Plus, uh, whatever social media you're on. If you hit a slash the RPG Academy, you'll probably find us. I'm almost always available on social media. <laughs> Very rarely can I not get to some device to respond to people. Hey, well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you can come back again and join us here on the Dungeon Master's Block for a future topic. But before you go, before you say goodbye, is there any last things that you would like to say to our listeners right now? Uh, no, no, no. Um, if uh, Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Now let me continue speaking. Um, <laughs> um, thank you guys for uh, giving me a chance to jump on here. Uh, I really appreciated it. To all of your listeners, you guys picked a really good show to jump on with. These two guys are, are very cool and they have a lot of knowledge to share. So... Keep showing them some love. Uh, come over to ours as well because we do lots of fun things too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Caleb, for those kind words. If you are already not checking out the RPG Academy, we highly encourage that you go and do so right now. They are awesome. Head on over there and check them out. Well, with that, that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. We hope that you have enjoyed this discussion on leveling up. Chris, if they would like to get in touch with us and talk to us about leveling up and have any questions that maybe weren't answered in the show, where can they get in touch with us at? Yeah, you can get a hold of us at our email. It's dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you want to send something that's a little bit longer than, you know, Twitter, 140 characters, or sending eight of those to get your point across, send those there. We'll, we'll listen to or we'll read them and, and respond to them. You can also find us on iTunes. We'd be elated if you would leave us a five-star review uh, with some words. That way we can read it and give you a shout-out on the podcast. Also head over to our forums, which is dungeonmasterblock.freeforum.net. Uh, we've had a lot of traffic there in the past couple of days. We've had like 12 new members that are, uh, some of them are actively posting, some of them are dormant and just waiting to explode on the scene there. But we we have a lot of good information posted there by some of, some of you, our, our fellow listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have great dungeon mastering memes, advice, articles, everything that you would love as a dungeon master check it out it's awesome we have a patreon shout out for you this week and our patreon shout out of the week let's get that drum roll going is andrew, andrew Pissick. Pissick. thank you so much andrew we are super excited that you have decided to join us in a new way with the dungeon masters block so thank you very much andrew is a silver dragon so he's he's to be feared he's one of our silver dragon patreon members. yeah thank you so much andrew Pissick. you're awesome well Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. See you later, Blockheads. Keep on Dungeon Mastering, and remember, good DMs borrow, great ones just steal and rename everything. <laughs>